Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of February 2021. I hope you're all pulling through all the chaos and nonsense and madness that's been foisted upon us by our superiors, the ones who have decided long ago, in fact, that they, they own and run the planet. And uh, they allowed you to carry on with the farce of democracy for a while, even though in their own big think tanks they would keep publishing articles for the public to jump on, you know, like the Club of Rome, the big think tank, that was given the task of finding a reason for the elite to take over the, the world openly, you know, to save us all. That's what they came up with. Man was the enemy. Global warming, drought, famine, pestilence would fit the bill. And bingo, that's what they chose. And they said that democracy at the Club of Rome was just obsolete. This idea was inefficient. It wasn't compatible with getting things done quickly. Uh, just like Justin Trudeau who admires communist China for having a dictator at the top and and everyone suddenly obeys him immediately or else. He quite liked that system, but then so did his dad. And that's the system we're living in today, of course, where the technocrats come forward on behalf of those who own the world financially. you know. And that's why I've never had a, a disconnect between the real owners financially and the technocrats, the technocrats with all the scientists underneath them, including those in academia, they get pulled out of the hat every so often to inform us about how we should behave or what we should do or think or whatever, and how they'd have to retrain us all, basically, on, on how to think. Literally, they have articles out now because they're not stopping at COVID. COVID was the excuse to bring all the system in, and it's also the excuse to rapidly change society from the old system into the new uh, and getting it done under emergency powers, a wartime measures act, you see, to get it all done quickly and efficiently, because we all obey when we're threatened with extinction, even though it, it hasn't happened so far and probably never will, at least not by anything that you're hearing about today. But that's the techniques that are being used, and that's the excuse. Quigley talked about it, Carl Quigley, same kind of thing. They can get more done for a social change, for changing culture and organizing society. More done in five years of war, that's the Emergency Powers Act, you see, than you can with 50 years of trying to persuade the public using propaganda and so on. Uh, so that's why they're going through the whole COVID exercise. It was planned years ago and had many tabletop exercises using the same participants of so-called experts on board, with the media on board too, during the exercises, by the way, and all social media on board as well, including the company's own browsers and so on. Quite fascinating to see the ones from the European Union, where even Mozilla had sent someone over, and they, they would fully cooperate in sort of diverting searches, uh, you know, into other topics rather than getting away from the topics you're looking for. It's just astonishing, really, that people have floated through it, in a sense, um, in, in a state of panic and terror and fear, very much like John Pilger's interview with Rene Riefenstahl, uh, who did triumph off the will for, for the Nazi party in the 1930s. The, it was a breakthrough in, in photography and filmography and propaganda and how to do it. And trick photography, as they called it at the time, was used to an extent. And she was awfully good at it, no doubt about it. 
and it was meant to, to literally terrify the world into compliance of what it seemed to be on film, an overwhelming massive force of endless soldiers, you know. And so that's, that's really what you've got today too. If you listen to the mainstream television every day, I feel sorry for you, I really do, because you're being deliberately terrorized since the beginning of the COVID exercise to change the world. And I've, I won't go over it again. I'm sick going over all the articles that folk don't even bother to check up. At least the general public won't. Those who are already basically on the ball to, to find out what's going on really for themselves, to check things out for themselves and compare them, the information, uh, are well aware that uh, you can't discuss most things with the public anymore because they have been literally brainwashed by terror and fear in this incredible exercise of propaganda using all the sciences of psychology and behaviorism and neuroscience and, and technology from television all combined together, including the, the, the exposés have come out over time from the Institute in Britain that runs the, the terror exercise on behalf of the government, the SAGE group. That published, they had to publish eventually the, the group that they subcontracted the terror part of it to, the psychological warfare part to initially. And, the, and the, some enterprising and honest journalist, I guess there's maybe a couple left in Britain somewhere, came out and admitted that they were given these handouts, telling them to exaggerate the, 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 all the terrible stories about COVID in order to create anxiety, increase the anxiety level amongst the general public. This is your government at work using psychological warfare terror tactics on the public to get the public to comply. And that's what these journalists said. That's what these handouts advised the journalists to do. Exaggerate all the negative things about the story. Oh my God, terrible things. and Terrify the public so the public would comply. That hasn't, in fact, it's got worse got absolutely worse. And I don't watch TV, but I get occasional clip on uh, the internet, of course, sent to me. And just what they're showing on a daily basis, probably for 24 hours a day, in fact, morning till night, and all through the night too, no doubt. Just like the Weather Channel, the same thing was, it was set up to terrify the public and make them neurotic about weather changes. And um, that technique certainly works with, uh, with the pandemic, as they call the pandemic, which wasn't a pandemic even to start with. And there, I can remember even doing the stories at the beginning of this back last year. When I talked about, here's the definition of a pandemic under the WHO's own guidelines and, and uh, the Centers for Disease Control and so on. And when they declared the pandemic, it was a pitiful, worldwide, the, the numbers were so pitifully few, they said they would do away with, with the present and the current way of determining what a pandemic was for this, this particular instance. And they did. I mean, they declared a pandemic when it was about 24 people outside China uh, tested positive. But if they hadn't had COVID-19 in 2019, late 2019, uh, if you had tested, if you could go back into the past and test for the same testing systems 10 years before, you would have found it too, because these tests constantly, I've got the CDC's information here on it, where they admit it'll pick up all kinds of coronavirus particles. There's, there's dozens and dozens of them out there, all kinds that are pretty harmless, you see. 
But that doesn't matter. That's why they chose the PCR test, because they gave them so many false positives. And more so, the more cycles they run them through to, to, to amplify the particle numbers and so on. They shouldn't go above 30. After that, you start getting stereo cycles. You get more and more false positives. Well, up to 40-odd cycles now to ensure they get the numbers. And then when they call them cases, you see, they don't tell you these are not ill people generally. They're, they're just folk who got tested. So reality doesn't matter too much. And I knew this would happen because this was planned years ago. You had the table talk, tabletop exercises coming out of universities working with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. This guy literally is like Blofeld and uh, the bad guy, you know, in the Spectre group and James Bond. Literally, he, he and Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, and many, many other characters working together. Like a big club, you see, and that's what they are, a private big club that they have connecting circles with other big clubs that run the world. The very technique that Carl Quigley talked about, circles and the connection of circles, like the, the emblem that you see on the United Nations flag, you know, the Chinese puzzle of interlocking circles. And each circle, of course, represents, apart from the flag, which was supposed to the countries and continents and so on, you, you also have, and the five points of, you know what, it is also the interlocking rings, in the Chinese puzzle, you see, that's how it works. Of course, you connect to other people who are also funded by Bill Gates Foundation. There seems to be pretty well all of these characters, eh? But also the, the head of the World Health Organization as well. It, it's just, a, it's a small world when it comes to totalitarian clubs, you see. The bigger it is, the more unwieldy it becomes, so you've got to keep it pretty a tight ship, basically and keep it pretty small, but try to hide many of the different characters behind the scenes. Most of them are hidden from the general public. You never hear about them. And, of course, they have uh, the guys in high tech on board with them, too, and all the media. Do you, do you realize it took years to plan this and get it set up so all the right people were in the right positions across every country, including health specialists for the government uh, on advisory, but all set up, all the right people, you see, it took years because you can't, you, you, which is impossible in any real society, a real open, honest, free society. You couldn't get so many people across the world in the same positions like, like advisors to governments for health, all on board with every part of this agenda. It'd be impossible, especially when it's so full of holes, the agenda, if at, least the, at least what they call the science on it. You, you, science can't just flip up and down like a yo-yo, you know. And when it does, there's something else at work. But of course, there's a whole big agenda to change sustainability, you see, on the planet. And reduce populations, literally create uh, bankrupt nations. We're all totally bank. We're bankrupt enough before, but we're surviving with small businesses. That was the backbone of most of the countries. And they're all, all, all shut down because of the big, big corporations, of course, all belonging to the World Economic Forum, all under that umbrella, you know. Are, have been allowed to stay open and be the only ones that can stay open. It's all prearranged, of course, because the world has to come out of this as a. As, it isn't just to do with diseases. Disease is the excuse. You see, the humans, according to the elite, are the disease. That's what they said at the Club of Rome. Humans were the problem. That's what. That's the answer they came up with. The man with therefore was the enemy of the planet, meaning the agenda. Man, too many of you. You see. 
And I'll touch on some of that tonight for those who still think it's just greed and money. And that part is true. There's a lot of greed, a lot of money. It's all borrowed money, and you're going to pay for it forever, for, for generations. If there's even any future generations to go on, because they want to vastly reduce the population of the planet. But in the meantime, you'll find the psychopaths in the, in the companies have all got their hands out for big money, you see, that the government's throwing out there like candy and confetti to them. And if you can come up with any idea at all to help their agenda... No matter how farcical it would seem, just mainly to terrify, or me, just to terrify the public and make it more realistic to the public. So if you can come up with an idea, they'll gladly throw millions at you. And that's what the vaccine companies are all doing too. They're coming up with not just the, the ones for coronavirus. They've already got lists of ones that they want to give you too. That we're all sitting in the wings. And future pandemics, like Bill Gates said, they're all waiting to get to burst forth. Just coincidentally, you know, I don't know what labs they might burst forth from, but I'm sure they have quite a few lined up if they need them. Hmm? The folk who are listening to television must be in a state of absolute frenzy, the total horror. We know for a fact that that tranquilizers are being dished out like confetti as well by doctors, right? In the big time, eh? Apart from all the street drugs that are flooding in <laughs> and the fentanyl is coming in by the boatloads as well. And it's really flooded. There's articles that re- just recently too talking about the, uh, the, the amounts of fentanyl, a, a whole list of drugs with fentanyl was amongst them, that they, they'd stopped at the U.S. borders from, from Latin America because they're using Latin America to bring them in too, any, any route they can. And although most of it, the fennel is made outside, and China was, has been the biggest producer of it since it started, supposedly. But regardless, it's coming in through the borders again in record numbers. It was reduced for a little while when the borders were being policed again. Now they've taken on the border, police checks away, and it's flooded in again. So with the tranquilizers that are licensed in the, and the ones that are legal, supposedly, but no one bores about them anymore. Uh, lots of the people are are already in a mess with alcohol at home because they're allowed to stay open at the booze shops. And in Canada too, and uh, in Ontario, and for instance, Ontario has a liquor licensing board that sells the booze to Canadians. So our governments are the, 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 the booze pushers and the drug pushers because they sell the cannabis there too. You know? yeah. Can you believe that? How survive? I used to... When I, when I was really young, you know, I'd look at things like Monty Python's Flying Circus that they had on television, and I didn't like it in those days. I still don't like it as much. It's, a, it's an oddball comedy, but it was just too zany, farcical. It was meant to be avant-garde at the time, but zany, farcical. And some, some of the bits were funny on it. And, and it isn't until you're a bit older you realize some of the, the, the sketches that they did or the, the skits that they did, I should say, in their comedy routines, like the dead part, and that had a different meaning from what you saw initially. There's an exoteric and esoteric meaning. But what they did show in the Monty Python um, was like silly walks, for instance. You know? And you say, oh, come on, get off it, the silly walks thing, eh? With John Cleese. And let the, the, but now there's folk getting arrested. I, I put up the articles in the last few weeks where folk get arrested in Britain for not walking fast enough. 
when they're, when they're given their one hour out of their home or whatever it is to get to the grocery store or whatever, or exercise or whatever. But they've been getting arrested for not walking quick enough because the cops are on a power trip, as all cops and all attorneys always are. It isn't just our generation. It's, this has happened down through time. When they, when they unleash the, the crown police on you or the crown troops on you. It's the same kind of thing. And so they love to swagger. And uh, there's a lot of sadists, you understand. They go into these positions. It attracts that type of personality into them. They're not, they're not there to help. Come on. That's what they tell them for an interview. They want to help people, you know. But no, they, they may brought up watching the cop films and movies and and, and drama series, and, to, and they want to, to be the guy smashing the doors and, and throwing the folks to the floor and being the tough guys. That's what they want, you know. There's it, it, a good comedy out there, too. It's called Hot Fuzz from Britain. Hot Fuzz. And uh, that, that's in a comedy fashion. <laughs> it kind of shows you more what the cops really think as, as opposed to what they tell you. But so, yeah, there's always, there's always a sadist involved in it. And they like to see folks squirm. Same as the bullies at school. The cops, again, don't generally approach people individually. There's always two or more police like to approach in this day and age. And that's what gangs do at school, if you notice. It's always the main one in front of the gang, and all these toughs are behind them. That's the same scenario that you see. Lots of the same guys that go into, a lot of them become policemen, unfortunately, you know. And it's male and female. It doesn't make any difference what gender they are. In this day and age, this is it. There's, there's them and us. That's how they see the world, you know. And Stalin said the same thing under Tyranny as well. He said that, he says, you always make sure to keep the system running, meaning the totalitarian regime. He says, you've got to pay your, your police very well and your military very well and your teachers very well because the teachers will... will for big money, bigger than the average person's getting, you see, even in the Soviet Union, uh, they, they, were, they were so vital for indoctrinating the next generation of children into the propaganda, you see. Which we have exactly the same thing here in the West. You've had it for your whole life long. You don't realize it. Getting worse and worse and worse. But anyway, that's me getting off a bit of the topic. What I'm getting into is the fact that, yeah, the silly walks and so on, um, have come true. So the zaniest, craziest things, they were almost a slapstick, a zany type thing, back in the 60s or whenever it came out, with Monty Python's Flying Circus, uh, have come to pass, you know. You, you also had departments for, for arguments, where, where you, you a skip where they went into, I think John Cleese went into a, in a or one of them went into an office, maybe it was Cleese sitting behind the counter, and the guy says, is, is this a department, like a government department for arguments? And so you could pay and have an argument and so on. And during the, the skit, they show you them actually having an argument, but the guy who walked in to get it didn't realize that's what was happening. It, it, it's techniques almost of mind control, you're seeing, throughout the Monty Python comedy. Even the dead parrots is what you're experiencing right now. The dead part, the guy comes into the pet store and he slams this obviously stiff dead parrot, which is a stuffed bird, on the counter. And, he says, and the guy looks up, yes, sir, can you help me? He says, I want my money back. He says, you sold me this parrot. It's a dead parrot. You know? 
And the guy picks it up and he says, oh, it doesn't seem quite dead to me. And so the person's doing a gaslighting on the customer in, in, in the most extreme form of comedy, you see. And they, they pick it up and they pick it up and slam it on the counter. Each one slams it on the counter a few times. Not This is a dead parrot, yada, yada, yada. And he also said he, he, he spoke, you know, and, and he would talk in that. And, and I think it was, um, was it Michael Palin, they called the guy, the other comedian in, in that skit. And he said, he says, well, so, so they says, it hasn't spoken. He said, well, it, it, when I had it, it mumbled a bit, he says, you know. And that was the comedy. But what they're showing you is that you can be gaslighted in comedy. To believe the most, to try and get you to believe the most ridiculous things, and that's what you have today. With the whole COVID war exercise upon the public, and this is a war exercise massively done, over and over through through exercises and table topics, using all the professionals that are now in power across the world, over the last since about 2010 at least onwards having these regular exercises, how they would deal with it, right down to having all the top media moguls on board, and again, all social media on board, attending their meetings. Hmm? To make sure that they have uniform opinion and uniform propaganda, and no one else would, and they, and they would censor anybody. This is an exercise. They would censor anybody who, who had their own opinion or, or <laughs> stated their own observations, even if they were professionals. made no difference. All done in advance. Isn't that something, eh? And you think it's all developing by chance. Hmm? Really? You really do. Most folk are terrified because they've lost their wits through incredible, incredible propaganda that they can't tune out of. Even on social media, and you say to me, on those, there's all the news pops up first thing on on COVID, COVID, COVID. Well, I don't want to hear about COVID because to me, we've always had coronaviruses. Always. I mean, you know, they weren't invented by laboratories, initially anyway. <laughs> Definitely been modified in different ones as well because that's part of biowarfare exercises. You, to, for exercises in biowarfare, you must have the exact uh, viruses modified. Like Francis Boyle has said before, he drafted up the, the anti testing systems for biowarfare for laboratories that they all had to sign. They got round it by saying, well, we're not creating it for warfare purposes now. We're just making it evolve by gain-of-function changes uh, to make it into a really killer disease in case it ever mutated into the killer disease by itself. This is the farce. This is our dead parrot day, you know, when we hear this rubbish. Straight-faced, bare-faced lies, right? He's got them bald-faced lies, but some folk have beards. But, I mean, there you go with it all. It's just so farcical, isn't it? And you can't trust any authorities, because they're never going to tell you the truth, never going to tell you the truth. And they're all agreed to that, too. I said last year, too, at the beginning, that this is written in stone, nothing's going to change it, because they've been practicing it for years with their exercises. Using the media... That come into the exercises. And the bioethics boards now we have, the, the only folk who, are, who have degrees in morality. You see, you don't have a degree in morality. You're just a, a simple human being, you know. But they have the, the ones out from the, the Rockefeller Foundation that, that 
have put through the, uh, the bioethicists through university to become bioethicists, then they recruit them into their foundation. And then they've been sitting for 10, 15 years drafting up new codes of ethics for the new type of humanity they're bringing in, the new types of culture and societies. And they've published the stuff. Huh? Right down to, you know, so they practice law along with bioethics. What's, what's ethical to do to the public? Let, so let's decide how we can make this sound ethical, like euthanizing people and, and offering them euthanasia rather than treating them because it would be cheaper to euthanize them than treat them. You know, it's very ethical things, you see. You understand this, you see. The university changes them to see things clinically and... And, and they're, 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 they're distracted by their high intellects and things. They're not bogged down with emotions like you silly creatures, you humans, you. Hmm? And these are the characters that are proudly, and again, because they can't stop being so arrogant, can they? Eh? They're out there in front with all the committee members, and they come on television now apparently as well to tell the public they should put yourself in their hands because they understand morality. And if they have to kill you and save medications for other people who might need it more than you do, you know, because they've got a scale of life and you're, you're points down on the, on the scale of life, you see, where this person here, they might pull through for giving the meds. So we're not going to give it to you, even though your tax money that you paid in and still paying in is, not, is, is paid for all. <laughs> this is the system. You're in Monty Python. And you've been trained to believe it's normal. You're, be, you're already trained to accept that folk must die by the bioethics committees that are on board with working with the characters who design your news, the psychologists and the behaviorists, how to put it across to you, and little, little dramas and things like that, little, little special parts on the news. And they're announced like royalty. This is so and so, a bioethicist from a bioethicist from Harvard University. These are your new priests, you see. This is their the, the, this is their humanist religion. There's the priests that replaced the old religion. They at least gave life a sacredness. These characters have taken it all away from you. They decide. They're the judges now. Hmm? You're getting you're getting the picture now. <laughs> this welcome to your secular society. Your characters get paid big bucks, bigger than you'll ever see. They sit on boards deciding the fates of everybody else beneath them, all the lesser creatures, you know. And you're accepting this. You're being trained uh, that their folk must just die now, they're hard and treat. And you're accepting that. They're training you that one day, maybe 20 years, 30 years in the future, that'll be your turn. They might start bringing the rate down. They might start killing you off at 40 or 50. You don't know. For the good of the planet, you understand. The good of all. We're all in it together. And if you all went, you see there's lesser of the alls there. So there's fewer left for, for sustainability purposes. It all works together for the greater good. And, and this is, this is this, you're all being trained. You started off, you see, with abortions. Life became cheap then. Oh, well, you know, let's kill our children. Again, for sustainability. They kept telling us, they, they had decided long ago they only wanted a few million folk on the planet, not billions. Don't ask me why they wanted just a few million, but that's the number they came up with, you know, about 50 years ago, 60 years ago. Actually, even beginning of the 20th century, they had the same kind of numbers. Isn't that odd, isn't it? Or is that just the proof of a, 
a continuous organization down through the last couple of hundred years, maybe. And, of course, there's no conspiracy behind that part because you'll find organizations actually existed even before Darwin took them over. But, uh, but there you go, you know, eugenics, etc. And folk literally, and Winston Churchill didn't believe in democracy either. He talked about it rather blatantly at the turn of the 20th century and even mentioned who was pushing this new idea of democracy. Fight mm-hmm. something. You'll find the continuity of opinion in certain family lineages when it comes to eugenics and population control. And it's not conspiracy theory. You can actually check it out for yourself. You can go into... The Huxleys are a good example, awfully good example. I mean, the Huxleys are so intermarried with so many of the top families... Uh, they were involved in eugenics. They, they tend to marry each other, basically, as, as, as certain types of elites generally do. And he and his brother, Julian Huxley, and especially Julian, boasted about the fact that they themselves were like a scientific group. They mentioned the dominant minorities that ran the world and how they worked underneath that as a scientific elite implemented agendas on behalf of those who owned and ruled the planet, basically. And uh, and they had evidence to back it up, too. And the very, their existence was part of it. The Huxleys went all the way back to, but pre-existing, of course, the, the Darwins, the Darwin family. And the Darwins were practicing eugenics already for goodness knows how long or many generations, because they only intermarried with the Wedgwood family. And you can look that up yourselves as well. So much so that I think when Charles Darwin's wife died, eventually, who was a Wedgwood, he married um, his mum's sister or something, something like that, some crazy thing like that, completely interbred with the Wedgwoods generation after generation. And eventually the Huxleys also intermarried with the same group as well, eventually, down the road. But the Huxleys took over Darwin's um, agenda for forcing eugenics. See, they actually thought they could force eugenics upon the general population. And the problem with the, the general population and the working classes was the working classes were the working classes. They could never amount to anything better than what they were because of their genes. That's what was believed, you see. That uh, they, 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 you inherited the traits from your parents and for low-class parents, then you didn't inherit the low-class genes, basically. That's what they believed generation after generation. They were rather blatant about it because most folk didn't read much in those days. Certainly the working classes didn't read the books put out by the big clubs themselves, including eugenics societies and the Darwin societies. But that went all the way through and beyond World War II, and Julian Huxley kept the whole idea of eugenics going. He camouflaged the names of the eugenic society after Adolf Hitler went down with, uh, because he pushed eugenics, because he copied it from Britain and the U.S. and, and Rockefellers, actually, with their better American families, societies, and the Cold Springs Harbor, etc. And he copied them, and he got, he got the blame for all, but really, um, 
These, the, the, he actually gave credit to the U.S. for pushing eugenics and sterilizing what they called the unfit that they've been doing in the States for quite some time, as in Britain too, by the way. But we don't like to look at our own countries. We're taught our countries are so wonderful and so above all that kind of thing, so you'll go off and fight for them again and pay taxes and keep voting for the pawns that are put out in front of you to vote for. But the reality is... Eugenics has always been with you for an awful long time, even before it gave the, had the term eugenics, you know, um, with implications of specialized breeding, not just, just, just natural selection, but specialized breeding. Where, and they admitted that uh, through their meetings, the eugenics societies in Britain, that the reason that they were so wealthy and, and they were nobilities and aristocracies in Britain was because they they didn't they were very, very much like India or Hinduism they didn't mate they didn't just fall in their man's their mates and so on fall in with them or they actually had them arranged for them through class and intellect that's what they said and and wealth so you didn't hear it wealth as well you, you, and wealth gets bigger with each marriage you see. But uh, it was very a practical affair, and, and the whole idea was simply to have offspring f- on behalf of the, the two involved, the two important families, the man and the woman, and and they would have the Cretans again built up for next, the few generation, the next generation down the pike, and that's what they were into. Very, uh, very cold in a sense, and mercenary to an extent. But again, you don't have to have the the more modern idea of just romancing the person. And then getting wed to them, or have, getting them pregnant, you know, which which was really a big thing for the working classes. You know, they, uh, when you really looked into the weddings, um, even when I was small, you know, you used to, you used to pass the bands to call it the bands board for announcing upcoming weddings in towns and villages, and they'd be outside the council offices or the church offices, but generally council ones, and. You would see people at the ages to just the consent, the consenting age, and no more, man and male and female, and you knew darn well that's it was uh, you know, and nobody cared because who cared to get people married anyway? They would take care of their own children. There was no, wasn't all dumped on the welfare system, or aborted. They would have the children and they would get on with life together. You know, that's how things were. And then they, they do often grow to like each other once the, the, the main, uh, as you used to say, the lust part was over or diminishing it, but they, they get to like each other, hopefully, you know. And it always work out, but the fact is that was how it used to be. Um, but the elite families themselves literally had, it's like Prince Charles, I can remember in the papers a long time ago when they were looking for a mate for him. Uh, this is the propaganda they fed the peasants anyway. And they they'd, they'd picked on uh, Diana, you see, and for the right qualifications uh, that she wasn't sleeping around, so they said. But but also um, the, the family lineages. She had some, apparently through the mother's lineage or whatever, some connection to the Stuart dynasty to legitimise it, because really the the prince. Uh, his daddy, Prince Philip, didn't have much lineage at all, really. I mean, he, he was brought in from Greece, you know. And the rest of them were really descended from the from the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha group, from the old Germanic uh, territories, you know. And when you go into those histories, 
you find they actually let them bought their titles in the, in the, the early 18th, 1800s. Some of them went up for, for sale in the smaller princedoms. And it's a different story again, but the, but the thing is, what I'm saying is, um, it was interesting that Prince Philip, he also brought over 80 odd of his relatives, by the way, they were kicked out of Greece, <laughs> and they were, eh? The Greeks didn't want them either, they weren't Greeks, these folk ruling over them, and monarchs and so on, they were brought into Greece when they ran out of royalties, and uh, eventually they had to move to Britain. But, but we didn't find out in Britain that we're being paying for 80 odd of them, and their entourages, and, all that, and their servants, and all the rest of it, for, for about 40 odd years. But anyway, I mean, Prince Philip is very vocal and always has been incredibly vocal about the need to, to cull down the populations. And the speeches he's given at the Sierra Club and the different clubs that he was ahead of were all, all really it, 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 it was save the animals by killing the people. I mean, you know, that was part of their philosophy, is really very open about the. Too many people. And he, he he didn't hide it even from the media. He would come out with it at times. Now they don't really mean what they say, you know. Uh, they, it's, it's, they don't just have these world meetings about reducing the population and, and stick it up the chimney like a Santa Claus thing, you know. It goes up the chimney to, to the to the to the North Pole or something. They do things about it. They have, they, when they have these big meetings, they have a whole entourages of of lawyers and. And, and civil servants working with them and, and finding ways to implement their policies, just like the Bilderberg Group. Same thing, you know, they're all connected. And you're all the problem, you see, and you haven't been listening. Because they've been telling you, using climate change as a cover for years, after the Club of Rome came up with the idea that they were tasked to do, find something to unite the planet, to give the elite the, 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 the right to take authority to themselves, Using the guys to save you all, they would start to take away farmland and stop you farming. And you can't farm this less food, and da, 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 just like you're seeing today. And they were quite open about the last few meetings for climate change. That the, the, their, their agenda was to reduce the population. The people like the Club of Rome came up with the idea. It was an idea that they said would fit the bill. Human, that mankind, therefore, is the enemy. You see, and so the elite would say, "Well, we have to take over responsibilities because you're not doing a good job. So we're taking over, running the planet ourselves to save you all. That was a guise to save you all. But regardless of how big the planet is and how really minuscule the populations are, when you look at the size of the planet, the facts don't matter. This is an agenda set in stone." And they said in the 2019 meeting at climate change that the U.S. didn't attend, supposedly, although some of the states did. They actually said that, and I put their speeches up at the time, that the people hadn't been listening. They were still having children. They were still consuming goods and starting businesses up and so on. And therefore, they'd have to do something more drastic. Well, bingo, at the end of 2019 in China, we're told, outbroke coronavirus. And you can give, put it down to coincidence for the rest of your lives that like you'll put everything else. Most folk put everything down to coincidence because they keep telling you that. Everything's a coincidence. Hmm? All the folk dropping dead after getting a jab are just coincidences. Happens all the time, apparently. You know. Mm-hmm. 
as I said last week, I think they'll just drop them dead after the jab because the, 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 the thankfulness and relief they've got, now that they know that they're safe, they're not going to die with COVID. Now they know that because they've just got the jab. It overwhelms them when they die. You know, of gratitude, I think that's what my, maybe that. I should dream up a name for that syndrome. And they could start using that in the newspapers. Eh? How about that? You're living through Monty Python. You really are living through it. You don't give jabs in elderly homes to people who are so old. You don't give these particular types of vaccines especially to them either. It's a novel, novel, it's a new experimental type vaccine. It's not a vaccine even. It doesn't work the same way. It's meant to alter your body's DNA from the RNA, reprogramming it. That's really what it's meant to do. It killed all the animals that they've tried over the years with this thing. When they hit the challenge test, that's why they didn't do the challenge. They're talking about doing a challenge test now after they've given it to the public. This is insanity. You're truly living through Monty Python, aren't you? But it all comes down to the same thing. The elite have taken over their rights again under Emergency War Powers Act. It's emergency powers, that's what war powers are. Shut down entire economies. Immediately, I put the articles up from the Club of Rome, right, the big think tank that works for the UN and for the global elite, praising what's happening for shutting down the economies and we'll have cleaner air and we won't allow anything to open up unless it's green and efficient and essential. Eh? Do you understand what this, this is what they said at the, at the climate meeting? They're not listening to us, we'll have to do something more drastic. Well, bingo. How long do you think you're going to survive as your food shortages get worse and worse and worse? Do you think that far? Are you, are you getting persuaded by the media just to relax and leave it to experts and don't worry about these things? Are you? It isn't just professional persuaders, which actually actually they have them now. They go round what they call the people who don't want the vaccination in some countries like Britain and so on. Do you understand? If you're professional persuaders who themselves are literate when it comes to medical problems, they're trained to, to win conversations by using psychological techniques. Is that some kind of fair and democratic system where professionals who are trained to alter your opinions through, through psychological means are being sent round the doors? They're not saying to you, here's the pros for this and, a whole, and give you a whole list of the pros and here's a whole massive list of the cons why you shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. Are they going to do it? No, no, no. They don't want to give you an informed um, an information so you get informed permission for anything. No, no, no. They want to bend your opinions by bow-breeding you. It makes you feel guilty as well. All the techniques that they use, they're trained to do this, you see. These are the same tactics that they use in torturing camps, you know, like they had at um, Abu Ghraib and so on. That's what they use.
the good cops and bad cops and the ones who threaten you and then the ones who, oh, it's okay, don't worry, I won't let them do that to you. I'm you know, the good guy, see? And then the good guy says, well, maybe you should take this. You know, maybe it's, maybe good, maybe it's a way to get out of it and get off the hook, you know. Okay, then, you know. It's like, and they had that again in, in the Monty Python movie, um, The Meaning of Life, at the beginning, where there's a knock on someone's door, and the woman comes to the door with her apron on, the whole thing, working class, and that was the whole idea, you know. Yeah, what do you want, you know. And uh, we've, we've come for your husband's liver, you know. What are you talking about? We signed on as a, don- a donor, and so she lets him in, and, and, and it's one of them's keeping her talking. Uh, the other one goes through to the bedroom where the guy's in bed, I guess, and, and you hear the screaming the whole bit and, and blood flying through the doorway, and, and they take his liver away, you see. And uh, and then the woman's left, still talking to one, and he he says, you ever thought of giving your liver? You know? And she said, oh, no, 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 I, you know, I need it, she says. And um, and then the guy goes on to, and it's a, it's a great little uh, scene where he goes through uh, the song, a song and dance kind of thing, where he shows you the universe and and at the speed is, uh, the, 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 they were going around at the sun and so on and yada yada all this kind of stuff. And, and at the end of all, he says, it "Makes you feel kind of small, doesn't it?" In, in the great scheme of things, yeah, it does. You know, she says she's bewildered and awed by it all. And he says, "Can I have your liver?" Okay, and that was it. You see, they dive into it. Uh, so even in these these comedies, they're so zany. You'd laugh at them for being so stupid, zany. Zany at one time. They're, it's all here now. They're keeping COVID deaths, what they claim are COVID deaths now. Who are brain dead? Like the, the young woman who got the, after the jab there, she's twenty six, I think she was, again working in the health care industry, and. Uh, Eventually her brain got inflamed, the whole thing, which apparently happens with... Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore, because it's all coincidence. It's, 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 it's a whole category of now illnesses called the Great Coincidence Theory, you see. That's that's what they, they belong to, that grouping. Because immediately they're dead, before they're autopsied or anything, it's rubber stamped with, for the media to say, yeah, it's nothing to do with the vaccination. That's what they say with every single one of them. They had a sports guy recently who did the same thing. Apparently they were using him as died of the COVID or the COVID. And the coroners eventually came out two weeks later. We, hadn't, we never saw the body. <laughs> we never did. It hasn't been tested for anything. Why are you saying this kind of stuff? You know? Rubber stamping them all as COVID deaths, you see. And the same with the vaccine. But when it comes to the vaccine, they're all just accidental. <laughs> they were just waiting to drop dead, you know. You'd never guess it. They're, they're healthy. They're playing sports. I'm 26 years old. And there you go. It just collapses. And after the jab, it could have happened any time. It just chose that time. And and uh, there she goes. And they claim it could have been a brain aneurysm, you know. It's very frequent after jab. Just, again, a big coincidence, that kind of thing happening. It just... Hmm. I was really thinking, so I don't know if they sold it again as Book of Records, because under, you know, coincidences, this, this would be the biggest multiple coincidence syndrome ever, ever, ever found in human history. 
old folks in old folks' homes in Germany, a whole bunch of them died after being forcibly inoculated, they said, using the military. What does that remind you of? Did you ever read about the racial hygiene thing? Huh? Did you read about that? I can't believe it's happening in Germany. Is, is someone pull, you think someone's pulling your leg here in the articles, but that's what was done in the 30s when science took over as the primary religion huh, in Germany. And they went round the old folks. Why keep these folks alive? They've got they've all documentaries out. You can see them. Where they, where they said, look, do you really want to keep these? And these were massively deformed people, and often brain damaged too at birth, a lot of them. And this is acceptable. And they sent teams, medical teams, around the different hospitals and so on to euthanize them. And as soon as I read that, I said, is someone pulling my leg? That This is in Germany happening now. And they're using the military to administer vaccine. And it says these patients were fighting. None of them had consented to the vaccination. And they were fighting and getting held down as they were va- And stacks of them died. Whoa. And at least some lawyers are about now for cases says this was murder. This is murder, folks. When this kind of thing is happening and then it persists in happening, there's a bigger agenda. And you're being trained to accept deliberate euthanasia. That's what I would say it could be called, deliberate euthanasia, put it that way. And then you'll, be, you'll accept that as now normal. Well, we, we might not, says the bioethicists, you know, we might not have all the medications to treat every, everybody. Well, they'd, they're not treating everybody, folks. You can't get in the hospital over certain ages now, if you're ill. The folk who need treatments for other things can't get in either. That's been that way for over a year. Why do you think some numbers go up in some places? It's where they can't get into the hospitals for regular treatments, for, for, for what starts off being simple things, a lot of them. This is incredible what's happening. And the uniformity of all information under the guise of total uniform authority is rather rather terrifying. It shows you how quickly all the illusions of democracy and rights just get tossed out the window when tyranny comes in using the same bugaboo of science or it's a scientific necessity. Folk never thought of using that in past tyrannies. Oh, it's a scientific necessity. Bertrand Russell, he says, you're talking about coming tyrannies. He says, if there is to be another tyranny, to change the world, he was all for it. He says, then I, I, I really prefer it to be a scientific one. Well, bingo, here you are. And he belonged to the big clubs in his day, that designed the culture and the systems that you're living through today. Some of, the, some of what he was involved in is still being unrolled as they've altered the culture to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. You're living through an agenda. And you didn't know it. Huh? You have to remember, too, that the Huxleys, the 
Aldous and Julian Huxley were descended from Sir Thomas Huxley that was called Darwin's Bulldog, and he took over. After Darwin died, uh, the position of being the main proponent for practical eugenics. By, by that I mean it wasn't just an idea or an opinion or a kind of religion. It was had the connotations of religion for sure, but it was also an idealistic way of, of changing the world. How to get rid of all the excess underlings, as they called them, the, the working classes that they didn't need. And that's when they, they discussed, uh, like, like right down to the 1950s, in fact, and probably after that too, the ideas that spawned off The Handmaid's Tale and things like that. Because uh, Bertrand Russell and others and the Huxleys talked about the, the, the possibility of mandating that women be impregnated by the aristocracy only to pass on the better genes, you see. They're quite blatant about it, and that hasn't changed as present. It's actually much bigger now as a society than ever was before, because now so many of those in academia come out with, with problems of um, superiority complexes, you know, and they, they want to belong to the elite clubs, and they'll do anything, and I mean anything to the public, if they're ordered to by the elite. And, of course, they're put in positions of power over of the general populations. That's the scary part of it. As I've said before, it took years to plan this whole COVID exercise to change the world. Years of getting all the right people in place across the most countries of the world. Not all of them, but most of them. And all on board, sworn uniformly to push the rampant through, regardless of what happens to the contrary, what or any evidence to the contrary of their office, of the, the efficaciousness of this COVID vaccine or whatever it happens, or the need for lockdown, all that stuff that really has been proven even necessary by other professionals, they're totally ignored. But it shows you all the planning and the big payoffs and the promises of much bigger payoffs to people if they go along with this, the ones that are put into positions over the rest of the public. It's obvious, very obvious. You never had a time when more professionals have given evidence to the contrary of the mainstream mantras. So much, many more better qualified professionals in, in the sciences involved in virology and bacteriologies and uh, and bio, and really bioethics and all the rest of it, much, much better ones and all the rest of it, are totally ignored. Totally ignored. People who work in the top laboratories on the planet are totally ignored. People have the experience, all the doctors of the front line and all the rest, thousands of them. There was another article put up tonight, in fact, about one and a half thousands of them across the world, healthcare professionals all signed on to this agreement to push for change because this is pretty well a hoax that's going on. But look look at the change that's so necessary. This change is going to come out for the whole planet in a post-COVID world, which won't happen because they've got other diseases. They said, I've got the articles too, they're ready to have uh, wars against them, you know, ongoing wars against this COVID and this new disease and this new strain, it's another disease. and blah. A whole bunch sitting in the wings, you see, of these boogeymen to keep us locked down forever. 
And you've got the World Bank talking about they expect the, 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 the COVID exercise to go on for at least five years. And they're prepared for that. And I put up the articles from the World Bank site itself saying that at the end of five years, if they have to achieve different objectives, then they can extend it for another five years and lending to the planet. Yeah. And people think you're just going through it. And this. Do you really think that anybody that you see on TV is managing this? Do you really think that Boris Johnson is managing anything? Or that prune Hancock that keep pushing out there with these trial balloons? Oh, you must. You might need a COVID passport. It's a trial balloon, you see, yeah, to see how you. And in real time, there's articles here. They're examining your back chatter in real time with all these supercomputers and algorithms to find out if you're against it or for it or neutral or, or how to persuade you, what, what you need to persuade you to go along with it, you know? How to neutralize any opposition to it. All done immediately, automatically. Huh? So much for your right for. Coming to your own conclusions. That was a thing of the past long ago. <laughs> oh, dearie. But I really do feel sorry for the people who tune in for their daily horror show every day of psychologically prepared terror that it's authorized by your governments using behavioral insights teams and the SAGE groups and, and the ones that they subcontracted to of behaviorists and so on who purposely terrorize you to comply on behalf of government and big business and of course the real elite way above all of it that want a post-COVID world of a vastly reduced population and Gates, there's this monster I, I see them, I can't help it folks that's my opinion this character, who's, his videos are still up there where he's given the talks there was one with a, a, an audience of women where he's waving his hands around as usual to distract you from his eyes. Can you look at the eyes? What is that behind those eyes? It's just, it's, what is that? There's nothing sincere about this guy. I wouldn't trust him with a 10-foot barge pole. Seriously, this is my, he radiates it from me, that, that, that aura of, of uh, to me it's evil. That's the only thing I can say is evil. And he's got his fingers in so many pies. He's been in trouble with so many vaccine programs in the past years. And, and he's got the media rubber stamped to condemn you if you mention them and say it never happened, even though India, on their, <laughs> luckily enough, are still going ahead with lawsuits against his organizations for the damage he's done in the past. As they tell you it's fake news, the governments have got the lawsuits out there. It's just astonishing what we're living through right now, eh? And the guy says, too, he wants to bring in a vegan world because, you see, protein makes you mm, health, especially in cold climates, you know? Mm-hmm-hmm. And he owns more farmland now than anybody in the States. That's the articles in the newspapers, folks. I put them up a few weeks ago, too, those links. And he also has patents on a lot of the, the, the meatless burgers and things. Isn't that amazing? He's got a finger in all these pies, eh? Uh-uh. But that's just coincidence again, eh? It couldn't be at all like a James Bond movie with Spectre and, and these organizations that are private multi-billionaires that run the world. It couldn't be like that, could it? Goodness sake, imagine thinking that, eh? 
even though, you know, the coincidence again, they're private institutions he owns and philanthropist under the guise of it too, you know. And um, and that other philanthropist, you know, that's very active in politics, although he doesn't run for it, he just tells them what to do. And and he finances a lot of the uh, the demonstrations and so on. I'm sorry, I mean terrorists. I'm sorry, I mean demonstrations. And whose own company, you know, his private companies are are well known. That's a name for it, you see. A name that was mentioned in a James Bond movie as a philanthropist, isn't that odd, eh? Who was taking over the world's resources so as he could recharge the earth eventually for even a drop of water. Mm. But that's a coincidence as well. That's a quantum leap, isn't it? Mm. But there you go. I mean, it's just amazing what you're living through and folk can't put it together. Because, and I understand it, when you've been trained to be naive from birth, and you have, absolutely, and to believe in the system, absolutely, eventually to come to unbelief and a sudden switch is too much for most people. They'd crash completely. They'd crash completely. And right now they've been brought into a stage of shock and cognitive dissonance until they, they don't know what's true or false. So they go along with the, the authority. That's what it's, it's meant to do. When, you, you, when you're in that limbo, stay in between this and that, a click, I call it a click zone. When you're clicking your head one way and clicking the other, you just don't know what to do. The authority voice comes out there and you just obey them. And that's what folk do with the psychological warfare. That's, that's what happens. But praying that they won't be one that has the extreme adverse reaction effects. That's what they pray for. But you, you, there's no reason why you should escape it. When, when most folk are getting adverse reactions, there's a whole range of adverse reactions. And some of them certainly coincidentally die after it. Some very quickly after it, some within two weeks. For an experimental vaccine that isn't licensed yet. You know it's not licensed. I've got the articles here where they actually state it over and over. It's a legality that they're not licensed. They're only admitted under emergency powers authorization. And you have the big lie put out by the media, conscious mantra, they're perfectly safe, these vaccines. When the CDC's own documents uh, tell you, and the VAERS, the vaccine accident, you know, the, the, report, the reporting mechanism that they have, the organization, they state quite openly that when you take the vaccine, they're going to do follow-ups on you because you're now part of the stage three trial. The stage three trial wasn't done before you got the vaccine. You need the stage three trial and eventually a challenge test, which they didn't do either, before you could possibly come to any presumption or posit any theory that is safe. You don't have the evidence to say that yet. So this is a straight lie when they say it's safe. We don't know yet what the effects are going to be. It was rushed through, remember. <laughs> and with the cha- without the challenge test being done beforehand, you're supposed to do the challenge test to the volunteers. You give them the, the vaccine, you wait a couple of weeks until they presumably get antibodies for it, and then you expose them to the real virus to see if 
what happened. Well, they didn't want to do that because sometimes what they found with vaccines, you have a massive overreaction of antibody systems flooding in your lungs. You see? Which kills you. And other, other types of vaccines has happened with before too. And they've had to pull them off the market in the past. Where literally your antibodies and the phages start, start attacking your own cells, an autoimmune response. You end up with, with if, you, if you survive them, you end up with terrible rheumatic problems as, you're, as they attack your own you know, joints and maybe even your spinal cord. It's, this is, these are the things that happen, folks. They can't see that vaccines are safe. But they especially can't say it when they haven't done the stage three testing. This is astonishing. And I really believe, you've already come to the conclusion, why are they doing this? Why are they exposing you to the to terrible dangers of, of temporary and sometimes permanent side effects, including death? That's rather permanent for some. To, for a virus that's going to kill less than a, than a small fraction of 1%. Generally in their 80 years of age group But they actually say that in their statistics Why would you take a, a vaccine Untested That's an experiment Never been used before on humans This type To alter your DNA By reprogramming it through the RNA yeah? And it lists on it We don't know yet If there's mutagenetic effects in it Genesis, they call it at times too. But we used to call these things like cancers and things. We don't know yet because we did no long term studies done yet. This is astonishing times to watch this. So, what's the real reason? Now they're going to start giving it to children that are even six months, years of age. Six months of age. Have you seen those articles? Why is this? Well, those children can then have school perhaps done. Maybe, perhaps, all evidence perhaps or maybe is because they've lied so much about this thing. And same with the lockdowns, you can go back to normal. Then they tell you not, you're never going to go back to normal. But children, it's, well, what, what is this? Well, don't forget getting back to, to Gates when he's given his wonderful speech to the ladies and other ones too. He's spoken to audiences with the same talk that through his vaccination programs, he says, this can, help, this can help reduce the population of the world. What part of that don't you get? Is that, is that why this, was, has this got something to do with the real agenda here maybe, folks? So you wonder, with what I've told you tonight, just the basic stuff, just simple, old stuff, basic stuff, that's, that's still current too, mind you, but with eugenics and depopulation agendas from the very top organizations including the World Health Organization. They, they, they don't go talking about... <laughs> I've got articles even, even from 2009 when they discuss the need to reduce the fertility rates of the women across the world. How do you think they're going to do that, folks? They, they, see, they've already said they're fed up saying please. They're not using please anymore. They're just doing it. You withdraw food. You, you bring in different things that are going to cause miscarriages or, or they won't conceive at all. This is on the go, folks. 
is this got something really behind this big agenda here? The, these top groups run the world, and the, the, and the big big clubs. And what, what's what's Mr. Klaus Schwab talking about this for? What's it got to do with the World Economic Forum? That all the top CEOs of every major international corporation it belongs to, along with all the leaders of governments and the world banks and so on. This is all one big club, all created by the same institution initially, by the way, for those who don't know it. Who want to depopulate and bring the numbers to what who gave them this? Did you, were you asked to, to vote? For, no, there's no votes here, folks. You see, they claim that they're in emergency mode because there's too many of you. They said this a long time ago, and I've said it many times since. Now, before I get into some of these articles tonight, remember, I always back up what I'm saying by articles and books that the elites have written themselves or had written for them, of course. So it's not my, just my opinions on things, but I, I certainly am guided to conclusions by evidence. There's no doubt about it on different things, different topics. And when things don't make sense, and yet crazy schemes are, are, are pushed ahead at warp speed, then you know there's something much bigger underway. And it, as I say, it took years in the planning. And then you have all the top think tanks praising it all because it's going to change the society into sustainable future. And by sustainable, they mean population, a low population, a post-consumer society that I've been talking about for years. There's nothing that I've mentioned, including the, the COVID passports or, or immunity passports for all your vaccinations. There's nothing that I didn't talk about 20 years ago and since then too. Nothing. I went through these talks before using the evidence of the day and the speeches bef- that they made before all these different characters and the WHO and so on and the different eugenics organizations blatantly putting out their projections for the future and publishing them. That's where it all came from. I wasn't guessing about it. And I said, eventually, you'll need, in the late 90s in some shows, I said, um, you'll need uh, some kind of record of your vaccinations in real time, or you'll walk into grocery stores and alarms will go off when they recognize your face and so on by electronically. And, And here it is. Here it is, folks. And it, it, for most folks, it's a nightmare. Of course it's a nightmare when suddenly your entire reality is shut down by order from above. Stay in your houses. No more work. Wait for a check coming from government. Maybe you can get folk to deliver food to you. Maybe. you got folk that are sick. They can't go to your hospital. Need, need cancer treatments. Can't go to your hospital. Primary tumors, if you get them out quickly, they might not spread. Not sorry, you can't get any hospital. Yada, yada, yada. Folk dying in agony in their own homes because they can't get any hospital. They can't even get painkillers. I think it was Peter Hitchens mentioned a while back that uh, someone he knew, he didn't know they'd died, but the, the guy had terrible pains. Uh, abdominal pains and the, the hospitals kept telling me stay off or take an aspirin or whatever it was don't come in and he died eventually at home in utter agony uh, and I guess it was maybe from pancreatitis the, the pancreas goes into the common bile ducts you know where you get bile from your liver 
and it got blocked. So a simple operation, straightforward, quick, could have cleared any stones there, like bile stones. If not, if not, it back, everything backs up, the enzymes back up, all the way up, and uh, the guy died in utter agony. Utter, that's horrible agony, that when you, when you get something, died at home. And this is, that was, you know, this, this is not ancient, this is modern times, folks. Because the hospitals wouldn't take anybody in. And the hospitals are sitting pretty well empty. As well. We saw that. We saw it. We, the number fudging has been astronomical. Even arresting people going into hospitals to photograph and film the fact that they're empty, most of them, in Britain. This is incredible deception for a much, much bigger agenda. It truly is, isn't it? I hope you're getting the point. It's not what they're telling you is. But their big mouthpieces at the think tanks are praising it for bringing in a whole new system that's being, that was on the drawing board and, and put on the shelves years ago waiting to be dusted off and put into Here you go. Here's implementation of it all. So remember, too, before we get into the, the, the different articles and the links to the articles and so on, which I'll put up to, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I always say this. Most folk will wait for others to put up my talks. But you can find them on Sundays, yeah, Sunday nights, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, and I put them up immediately. Another one's take them off my site to put them up elsewhere. That can take a day, sometimes two days. But for my site, on the Sundays, you can get them. And you'll find the links there, too, to the articles that I'm talking about, I'm using. And I always advise that people note on cuttingthroughthematrix.com all my other sites which are listed there. These are my official sites. And if anything happens to one, the comm site, you can go into the, you'll have a list of the other ones you can go into, and hopefully you can still get my, talk, my, my talks every week, you see. And the good idea is always to download it, just right-click, download it, save it, and put it on an MP3 player or whatever, and then you can listen to it throughout the week. You don't just sit staring at a screen and watching a sock puppet. You know, with, I mean, why sit and watch someone sit and talking to you for hours? You don't need that. You listen to them. Get things done, you see. And listen at your leisure, an hour here, and an hour there, half an hour there, and so on. That's how you do it. The, the, the computer is training you to sit staring at a darn screen now. <laughs> why? If you're not watching a video, why bother? You know? So save it, and that's the best way to, to do it, to, and just um, listen at your leisure. I think really it helps you gain, regain some of your ability to concentrate by listening. I really do think that uh, when you've got irrelevant visual stuff uh, uh, over uh, uh, the, 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 what you're listening to, your listening will take, take a back seat at times. That's why people stare at a television set, set. They're hypnotized by it. And the mouths are open. Children's mouths go open. And, and you ask them what they mean, what they can't remember. What they've heard, they can't remember. Same with the computer. So, as I say, start regaining your concentration abilities and abilities to think for yourselves and try and wean yourself away from the terror machine called the television because it's so incredibly weaponized, professionally done too, you know.
<laughs> and that's a whole different story in itself. But anyway, so cuttingthroughimages.com and you can see that the books and discs are up for sale, etc. Or you can give me straight donations. Certainly, uh, I need them to keep all the science going and so on. And even to get better equipment that I'm using, because I'm using on antiques. I've still, I've still got some XPs on the go here just to do my talks and things. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You can send me donations to help me tick along and keep going. No one backs me. I'm not backed by any institution, think tank, special interest group or political group or covert, quiet, behind-the-scenes group. No, none of that nonsense for me, folks. I wouldn't go along with that way anyway. So much of what the big ones are out there are all compromised. They were set up to be compromised. And some of them maybe started off on the right foot. Other ones were taken over very quickly. And other ones, the big ones, were, were planned well in advance to take over alternative media. And that's how it's done. The all-seeing eye, as I say, doesn't wait for things to happen. Look at the incredible surveillance you have today. Always to head everything off at the pass, so nothing takes the leap by surprise, any, ever, ever, nothing. And that's how it's always been. So the big ones that became your main ones were often set up years ago, and before you even heard them, because they weren't on the air then, and then they're brought out with a good cover, giving the same stories as everybody else has been doing for years to give credibility, and then they take you off and spin, and then they bring you back into the political con game. Politics, right back to politics. The big, the big thing we're, what we're getting so sick and getting away from because we saw through it years ago. Right back to politics again. Rather than seeing the big picture of that, which is way above politics. So cuttingthroughmidges.com and send donations, and you can send PayPal. Uh, cash is is fine too. Some folks send cash or personal checks, moneygrams. Okay, still works. And, and by the way, I'll be able to get stuff posted off shortly because they're lifting, they're temporarily lifting the, the lockdowns where I am. And uh, I'll get them off very quickly, hopefully. And we'll see what the new restrictions are in town then if they only start forcing you to show some proof of nasal swabs or something before they get into stores. That's where they want to go with it. They'll make it absolutely impossible to function eventually. That's what they talked about years ago at the World Health Organization. They said, we can't force folk to take vaccinations, but we can force people to comply with all their other parts of agendas so they'll have to go along with it. See how they do it. You're coerced. You're you're, you know, you're totally coerced into uh, going along with things eventually. Because then you'll starve to death if you, if you don't. This is what they're doing right now. Are you going to stand up and accept that from any... I don't care what the government calls itself. I really don't care what it calls itself. It's actions are what you, how you diagnose it or what it is. And the articles from the CDC and all the big players and all that about all the coming pandemics that got lined up for you. They name them now, by the way. And you've never go back to any kind of normalcy. Post-consumerism. You can't plan, plan anything in your life anymore, folks. All decided for you. And they've got the brute force there ready to smash your heads in, you know, the thoracle, the guys in the uniforms there. Just like any previous tyranny. There's never a shortage of the, what they call the goon squads, you know. Never a shortage of them. 
in any era. And so send me a few bucks and help me take a long remember. Many years ago I talked about watching a documentary as on previous tyrannies, and of course they tried to, they always camouflage the, the, the Russian one, the, the, the terrible slaughters and, and communism. In fact, a lot of the communists run the universities, on behalf of the elite, by the way. And they really, uh, and so that's why they always steer away and shy away from showing you the terrible atrocities and mass, like multi-million slaughtering people uh, that went on all through the Soviet era and the, the communist era in China too, by the way. And the purges they had against their own people and they, they'd routes out dissenters and round them up and slaughter them. Mass murders. Like you could, could, when the Soviet Union went into Poland, the same thing happened, you know. And, and they were just, the Polish officers and... Uh, Round them up too and slaughter them by the millions, you know, the, the, the Polish people and the thousands of officers. Just amazing stories. And it was at Kachin, was one of them, Kachin Forest. And, uh, but anyway, when you see who's doing the slaughtering, it doesn't make, make any difference who's doing the slaughtering. They're all socialists, by the way. Socialism was invented to get the working class on board so as they could be ruled and ordered and regulated by the elites, on behalf of the elites. That's what it was. And the U.S. was the, the, the free enterprise experiment with all of its flaws, right? And it, 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 nobody, but people didn't live in misery all their lives, all the time. <laughs> That's, if you think you've got utopia forever, you've, you've been lobotomized, folks. Then you'll be in utopia then, you know, regardless of, of whatever conditions you're living in. Externally, but the U.S. was the first experiment, and then next one was the the communist system, the Soviet system, or Bolshevik. The second one, where they would have a regulated society, you couldn't decide what you wanted to do; the state would decide for you, etc., etc. And that's what technocracy really came out of too. Was was the regulators to to plan the ordered society? They would be engineers of humanity. You see. And you are the base material, and they would be the, the masters who shaped you all. The cog in the machine, basically, for the Soviet system. And so socialism was, was brought out by the biggest billionaires of the day. The Astor family was one of them. They created the Fabian Society. They funded it from scratch, you know. Other multi-billionaires uh, fought out, too. But yeah, that was the idea of it. Uh, the biggest enemy they could see in the future would be the working classes. And if they didn't have a lot of work from it, it would be even worse, you know. H.G. Wells was one of them too. He talked about them. He talked about we can help the work working classes and the poor across the world. We can feed them and give them better health, etc. But then he says, what did they do? Well, well they breed for goodness sake, you know. They, they were quite blatant about it and they haven't changed their tunes. And they're going at it now. And they couldn't say we're going to genocide you. <laughs> no, they have to cloak it in other terminology. It's scientific. It's for your own good. And getting back to the jabs, as I say, when, where, yeah, there's too many folk keeling over, either right away or a couple of weeks later. 
when their own immune system starts attacking them and kills off their platelets and things like that, and then you hemorrhage to death. Look, these things could happen any time, for goodness sake. You could have had a physical examination two weeks before, and you're perfectly healthy, and your blood test was wonderful. But these things just happen suddenly, you know. It's just one of these things. Yeah. Coincidences. Like the doctor that had the gynecologist, obstetrician guy in the States, say. Just one of these things. And many, many more. And this has been rubber stamped immediately before the person's tested or anything <laughs> by even the so-called specialists that deal with, with the dead. Mm. What a career that is, eh? And rubber stamp by the media has been, oh, is it just fake news? The person died of perfectly natural causes that just happened spontaneously, like spontaneous combustion, you know, just... I'm surprised they haven't used that yet. But it's an amazing agenda. With so much, oh, this coordinated effort. You, you haven't seen anybody, I don't think. Maybe one, there's one came out recently and from one of the organizations. But generally, all the talking heads from the media, I haven't seen anybody come to crack up and say, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I, I've been forced to lie to you. I haven't seen anybody. They're all complicit, folks. It's like the Nuremberg trials. They've started bringing in all the folk that were complicit in human experimentation. Huh? Giving them all kinds of weird stuff there, too. Mind you, they don't mention the Japanese doing the same thing as well, eh? Isn't that a bit odd? And the Japanese had scientists brought in from the States and so on. They don't want to mention those characters either, but that's another story. But yeah, the Japanese were using Australian prisoners of war and other prisoners of war for experimentations and biowarfare programs. Now, to, to tie in what I'm talking about, too, to, to show you that you're part of an experiment and how can they possibly say something safe like the treatments for covid when they don't know yet if it's still an ongoing trial and you're part of the trial if you get the vaccine then the trial isn't over how can you say it's safe and this article again was last year right october 15th talking about the coming vaccinations but it says it says google and oracle to monitor americans who get warp speeds covid-19 vaccine for up to two years. So if you get it, you're tracked and traced for two years, at least, you know. And this article came out, it was Whitney Webb put out, you know. And it mentions the CEO of Operations Warp Speed at the time, the head of it, it was Monsef Slio, I don't know how you pronounce the last name, head of Operation Warp Speed, and told the Wall Street Journal last week that all Warp Speed vaccine recipients in the U.S. will be monitored by incredibly precise tracking systems for up to two years, and that tech giants Google and Oracle would be involved. And last week, a rare media interview given by the Trump administration's vaccine czar, as they call him, offered a brief glimpse into the inner workings of the extremely secretive Operation Warp Speed the Trump's administration's public-private partnership. Again, this public-private partnership stuff, eh? 
where you pay all the, for the, the profits for the corporations. For delivering a COVID-19 vaccine to 300 million Americans by next January, that's what their goal was then. And what was revealed should deeply unsettle all Americans. So during an interview with the Wall Street Journal, and the link to the Wall Street Journal is also on this article for those who want to see it. It says that the captain of Operation Warp Speed Career Big Pharma executive, uh, Monsef, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, Sleo, confirmed that the millions of Americans who are set to receive the, the COVID-19 vaccine will be monitored via incredibly precise tracking systems. They'll ensure each that the patients each get two doses of the same vaccine. They've changed all that now too, now they're going to mix them for, in Britain, I think and to monitor them for the adverse health effects. So you're part of the experiment as they monitor you for adverse health effects. You understand that? So how could anybody immediately say, uh, to slam anybody who says, well, they haven't been tested. Well, see, you're part of the test now. You're correct, but why is the media lying through their teeth and telling you it's safe when we don't know yet what short-term and long-term effects are going to be? It generally takes 10 years on animals and so on before they give it to, these things to humans. Eh? And this is a different kind of uh, treatment, you might say, treatment. You can hardly call it a normal vaccine that's going to put a really um, an mRNA component into your body that's going to change and reprogram your cells, the, the actual DNA of some cells, actually, and create a protein, a spike protein, that resembles the very COVID itself, and permanently in your body, huh? Well, there you go. Anyway, he says here that, um, so you're part of the test now as it, as it track you, eh, to see if, if it's going to be safe or not, obviously. <laughs> and the day before the Wall Street Journal interview was published, the New York Times published a separate interview, and this is also linked to this one here, was slow, where you refer to this tracking system as a very active pharmacovigilance surveillance system, okay? And during a previous interview, and the link for the previous interview is also here, with the journal Science, then on September, Slower had referred to this system as only as a very active pharmacovigilance system that would make sure that when the vaccines are introduced, that we'll absolutely continue to assess their safety. So you're part of the test, you see. He's only recently uh, tacked on the words tracking and surveillance to this description or his description of the system during his relatively rare media interviews. And two official OWS documents released in mid-September state that vaccine recipients expected to include a majority of the U.S. population would be monitored for 24 months after the first dose of a COVID-19 vaccine administered and that this would be done by a pharmacovigilance system. The reason this term pharmacovigilance, so here's your new jailer system, high-tech surveilling on you. In the OWS document, which was entitled From the Factory to the Frontlines, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the link for that's here too, and the Department of Defense, Department of Defense DOD, stated that because Warp Speed's vaccine candidates use new, unli- new unlicensed vaccine, you're hearing this, new unlicensed vaccine production methods, they're not licensed, you see, that have limited previous data on safety in humans, very limited indeed, yeah. The long-term safety of these vaccines will be carefully assessed using pharmacovigilance surveillance and phase four, that's post-licensure, clinical trials. Okay, 
And it says the key objectives of the pharmacovigilance is to determine each vaccine how its performance in real-life scenarios, to study efficacy and to discover any infrequent and rare side effects not identified in the clinical trials. OWS will also use pharmacovigilance analytics, which serves as one of the instruments for the continuous monitoring of pharmacovigilance data. Robust analytical tools will be used to leverage large amounts of data and the benefits of using such data across the value chain, including regulatory obligations. In addition, uh, says uh, Monsaf uh, and OWS vaccine coordinator Matt Hepburn, formerly a program manager at the Pentagon's controversial defense advanced research project, said DARPA, the military one, makes all the weaponry <laughs> feel better now, had previously published an article in the New England Journal of Medicine that stated that because some technologies have limited previous data on safety in humans, the long term safety of these vaccines will be carefully assessed using pharmacovigilance surveillance. So it keeps repeating the same stuff over and over, this term of pharmacovigilance, surveillance strategies and systems. Eh? So, yeah, that's what you're, you're going, you're part of the test now. Eh? And secret contracts have already been given to other organizations as well for tracking. Yeah. Since neither Google nor Oracle, however, has announced receipt of a con- uh, Contract related to Operation Warp Speed. I've got other articles on this this very topic, by the way, recent ones um, to do with tracking tracing, and I'll put these up too for those who want to know, and I'll give other talk show hosts some ready-made work for them, all done for them, and links <laughs> for them to the the stuff which the, which often that's what happens. Eh? But if you get this one here, this link. Uh, I'll put up tonight too is um, talks with their organization in Britain, the ministry that, that puts the contracts out, the cash out, and, and asks for contractors to come in and, and create different things that they demand get made and so on. And the ministry wants uh, an artificial intelligence to hunt for COVID 19 vaccine side effects. Okay. And it says the UK drugs regulator, that's what they are, the MHRA, has awarded a £1.5 million tender to a software company for an artificial intelligence tool that will be used to process the expect... Here's the words that you... This is from the government. This is the government contract, right? To process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions. For the harder thinking, I'll say that again. It says, uh, it says, an artificial intelligence tool that will be used to process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions, AADR as they call it. The tender awarded to Maidenhead, Berkshire-based uh, Genpak, UK, aims to ensure that no details from the ADRs are missed as the UK prepares to start rolling out COVID-19 vaccines, assuming their safety and efficacy is supported in late-stage trials. Well, you know, as I've mentioned, you're already part of the trial. And part of this, this, this tracking is for proving that you're part of the trial. It shows that all adverse, they'll, they'll be able to in real time pick up adverse side effects, you see. Hmm? I see. So the company has has been awarded one of the contracts is a subsidiary of a U.S. group called Genpact, 
which already offers an artificial intelligence and machine learning based tool called Cora Pharmacovigilance. There's that term again, pharmacovigilance, that can be used to identify patterns in data to foresee potential side effects. So the computer's foreseeing potential things. Is, I guess maybe if you program the computer properly, it'll rule out any real side effects, eh? <laughs> to, get the, to get the desired results. Eh? So the contract from the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, the MHRE, as in Britain, recognises that the, the timelines for the development of coronavirus vaccines have been accelerated so fast that a complete picture of their safety... Now here, listen to this again for the harder thing. A complete picture of their safety may not be available when they start to be used in widespread immunisation campaigns. So how come the media can immediately slam anybody who asks even the, 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 the cautious questions, eh? On, is this thing being tested? No, it's not being tested. You are part of the test. So they can't tell you that it's safe and call you nasty names like anti-vaxxers and so just because you don't want this new experimental type vaccine that's never been used before. It's not a vaccine as old vaccines. It's not taking a dead virus or a weakened virus and putting it into your body so your body can start developing antibodies against it. This is a different, this is, this, this, what they're rejecting to you as a delivery system of altering your DNA through, through modifying the, the RNA, the, the programming cells that programs your cells, basically. The mRNA. It's, it's almost like a, a blueprint, eh? that the rest of them copy your body will start copying it for new cells as, as old cells die off and so on that's all these ones will t- they've used it in fish by the I gave the talks many years on it where you saw this and I couldn't believe it someone sent me a clip of uh, the Ministry of, of Fisheries in Canada as wildlife and fisheries I think for internal fisheries and you saw these people standing in the, along these troughs and along the troughs running fish maybe a foot wide or two feet wide troughs and every so often a person would put their hand and pick a fish out and just touch it against this little thing that was on a stand and that injected um, a new type uh, uh, DNA into their body eh? and they said that they used E. coli as the instruments, the, the, the actual stuff to attach it to and they put it into the, this is an instant thing that you see in the Star Trek little, a little blow thing, poof, that was it in, you know, no, no blood, nothing it really blasted it through the, the outer cells of the skin and then the fish went back into it and then as their old cells died off and went to reprogram the cells through again RNA, it, it would, uh, it would, this mRNA would kick in and program in it for different cells. The, the, the excuse at the time was it'll help them create their own antifreeze in the winter time in the, in the lakes. This is the, what they said. Eh? This has been going on for years, this kind of thing. But, but the, this stuff they're going to give us now, and had problems with the fish even, by the way, things that aren't. But this this is this has been used this has been used for humans now program certain parts of your body, you know? For the ACE two receptors, etc. and your own lungs and and passages and in in your airways and so on. It's astonishing what we're living through right now. This, this is the excuse for all. For for a disease that supposedly, as I say, you you've a tiny fraction of one percent chance of getting really ill and dying with it. And even the stats, the stats say the average age of the folks who are dying are about 80. 
It's just amazing. So they're going to give you an, this experimental thing, which they admit here, because they don't know what the long-term effects are going to be, or even short-term effects, really. They've only started being given it for the last 20-odd days, 30 days. And interestingly enough, too, Tony Blair is in on the, I mentioned before, Tony Blair is now advising, he's been advising uh, Boris Johnson for a while, you know? And of course, they're two old commies anyway. For those who think that, that Johnson's actually is conservative, what a joke. It's a complete farce, this political um, left-right paradigm that you've been given you for your whole life. Complete joke. And, and Tony Blair, of course, is a good capitalist communist, because all the, all the top communists are all capitalists. There's three systems. Am I reading it? This is the actual quote from a book by Whitaker Chambers, Witness, 1952. But anyway, it's Whitaker Chambers, this quote, and it says, You don't understand. This is from a novel, of course. The class structure of American society, said Smetana, or you would not ask such a question. In the United States, working class are Democrats, the middle class are Republicans, and the upper class are Communists. And it just say, <laughs> I, would, I would just, as I say, preface the whole thing and say, remember uh, that you're living in a technocratic society, a system, a managed system for the classes, division of labor, you see, Marxism. And so everyone's put in their place and they believe that's their place to be. And, uh, and they, think, they all think they're fighting for something, except the ones at the very, very top, that in a sense... Uh, I, w- I would say they're not communists, really. They give you a communist socialist system at the bottom. And that's really into the middle classes now as well, viewpoints, etc. So they've adopted uh, that system as well in the middle classes, what's left of them, through their education and their brainwashing. And But they're very, very top. They're, they're really um, the wild men, as Charles Galton Darwin said. And whatever system is more most efficient for them to rule and have maintain power, uh, they'll use it, and for themselves at the very top, they don't even come into any of the categories at all. They are, they're truly free. They're not encumbered and inhibited by the indoctrinations of, of your moralities, what you're given to believe in or feel guilty about. They have none of that at all. They're very, very practical, and uh, and they're allowed to be because they run the whole show. They own it, <laughs> and they, they own all the think tanks that plan every stage, and they, they own the people who work in the think tank tanks and so on. So it's their system, the the dominant minority at the top, of course. But it's a good little way of putting it, too, a little, in a kind of joking way, a semi-joking way, perhaps. Because it does tell you, in a sense, which you should already know, that that they they laid out for you what party to be in, according to the rank, your your social class. And even that doesn't fit really as much. I can remember when they were pushing communism for the public years and years ago, and they brought out different groups, folk groups, you know, when I was a, a really a child, really, with uh, very popular songs, catchy tunes, and and people could sing them and hum them and whistle. They had tunes back then with actual melodies, see? so you remembered them, and uh, that's what music used to have in it. And people would hum and, and whistle, and, they're all, and they'd all know the choruses to them. You know? And one of them was really popular. Was, if I had a hammer, well, if I had a hammer, it was a hammer and sickle, you see. It's also the hammer that the Fabian Society used in the... And uh, the, the famous logo you'll see was actually built into the building in the, the stained glass window at one point, where you see um, George Bernard Shaw and H.G. Wells, two two of the founders of the Fabian Society, hammering the world on an anvil. 
the big, big hammer again. You, you hammer, you, to, you couldn't convince people to go along. You would just hammer them into it. That was the whole idea. And you're still in it because the elites had planned that for, for the majority of the public to fall into. You get hammered into this new system, whether like it or not, and when you reshape the world, society, culture, everything, you see. And that's what, of course, COVID's just done. It's one, one fell swoop and boomf. Uh, no, no economy. <laughs> you just all out of work suddenly because it's ordered from the top. Not because of, of COVID, but they're ordered from the top. Never been done in history before for any other reason except to destroy cultures, societies, and, and nations, you see. And then you rebuild from that into the new system, the world system, which the, the globalists, which are obviously those who own the world, are claiming that they do. And then they certainly by all evidence, they certainly do at the moment economically. And they've been working for years to bring in a, a world system where you have a singular system that we're top running the whole show, all the way from even before Karl Marx. But he talked about it to a, a three trading block system of the world, like three super parliaments under one major global system. The, the Royal Institute for International Affairs worked tirelessly running the British Empire to bring in the same system with royal approval. Huh? And uh, and it's still the same today, you see. So uh, they didn't quite get their way totally, and might not need it actually for for a completely united Europe, because there's many ways to bypass that through global agencies now. So, but anyway, at the very top, they're they're not uh, they're, they're not anchored down with moralities of any kind at all. You can see that with Bill Gates and uh, the, the incredible things he comes out with, just uh, a normal conversation. That, that is his normal conversation amongst his own peer group. You understand the, the group that runs the think tanks that to, to plan emergencies years in advance of, and how they're going to use them when they bring them out to change the world into their system, you see, which they've planned. The big boys at the top, they're the communists, that's what they said. And it's not far from the truth, because communism is about a structured, planned, organized society run by experts. It's technocracy, you see, on behalf that serves the elites. Years ago, I gave the talks, 20 odd years ago, I gave the talks about uh, how the system was run. I says, they're bringing in a system, a kind of socialistic system, dash communistic system for the general public back then, that's what I said, running the communistic principles of experts, running it all, and making all your decisions for you. But the elite themselves, as they get rid of the middle classes, the elite themselves um, will live unfettered, like, again, Charles Galton Darwin's idea of the wild men. He says, we can't have moral qualms about anything, and we can't have any restrictions of morality. And because we're, we're, we're the captains of the ship, you see, but to plan the future and make it happen. But for the rest of the public, you're all, well, you, you don't deserve, because you, you, you don't have the right stuff in you to be, make right decisions. You know, that's your problem, you see. So I really mean this, folks. If you really think that COVID is just about COVID, you're, you're, you're falling for another deception, a complete deception. What is the first thing that, that Fauci said? The, the first bit of truth he told you at the beginning last year, around the February mark, when he told you that you'd have to really worry about it in, in the West and you wouldn't near, need a mask and you wouldn't have to worry about about the, the problems that China was going through and so on. And within about a week or so, he changed his mind as they all got together. And some higher authority even told him, obviously. And he changed and he says, things will never go back to normal. 
But Parov never go back to normal, don't you understand, folks? He hasn't changed his tune on that. This is part of a massive, life-altering, societal restructuring system. It's to be permanent. And you're in the first phase of it. And, in, and again, too, they're hammering anybody coming out and even questioning the vaccines. And, and the same media should be sued rotten, just like the Nuremberg trials. And you bring in everybody who's complicit and deceiving the people and doing horrible things to the public and put them on trial. For, for telling the public blatant lies to do with something that could be dangerous to their health. Beyond dangerous. <laughs> and, tell, and, and, for, and actually wanting folk locked up for stating what I'm just telling you here. Uh, by reading their own articles, they don't know what the longer term effects are going to be. How can they say it's, it's a contradiction here? They can't say it's safe. You're part of the trial. And there's the truth, folks. So anyway, um, yeah, and the, the government actually says right there, you know, that in the tender, the offer of tender, eh? But it says there that um, to process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions, that's why they want it. The expected high volume. And if you think, well, you can live with that, that's safe, uh, good for you. Good, go along, you know, and there you go. Go back to sleep. The expected high volume. Now, th these are the, the short, fast-acting side effects, folks. <laughs> but you'll be tracked for two years because they expect other things to kick in after, after your, maybe after they've given you your, your treatment for anaphylactic shock, and then, then they absorb you, you see what happens with the next two years or whatever. And two years isn't long enough either. You, you often don't see things coming up for about five to ten years' time, sometimes longer. Don't forget the, 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 the simian virus, 40, that was included in the first polio shots that millions got. And it took years before they started developing cancers in humans. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is fact. This is just a published fact. Eh? Anyway, here we go. Back to the whole thing. Do you really think it's just to do with COVID? Eh? To the global elite, the math is simple. Human overpopulation is causing climate change. That's what this says in the climate. That's what the climate change agreements were all about. So reducing the population. You're causing it. They need an excuse to bring you down and make you give up your rights there. So climate change would fit the bill. The Club of Rome, right? Remember that one? Tasked with finding something to use as an excuse to take the rights away from the people, to force the agenda. Well, climate change, global warming, famine and the like would fit the bill, eh? mm -mm -mm. The same organization, Club of Rome, uh, that they've been talking about the, the coming Ice Age before that with some of the members of it, remember? Remember like Paul Ehrlich, yeah, the population bomb and all that, and it's like a time bomb population, all the same agenesis, all those too many people, same characters. And his wife was on the board of the Club of Rome. That's a small world, though. It's very lucrative for the right people, mind you. They just fall into the right seats. But it's always been what they've been on about, too.
And it says, in fact, the official policy of the United Nations to fight climate change by promoting population control measures is they don't even try to camouflage anymore. Last year, the UNFPA, that's the United Nations Population Fund, that was set up, by the way, by the Rockefellers. The first they called the Department of Population for the United Nations. Eh? He funded it all. And they changed its name when it got blowback from the public. You know, you know it's about population control, you know. So they call it the United Nations Population Fund, released its annual State of the World Population Report, entitled Facing a Changing World, Women, Population and Climate. And in the document it was made clear that the official position of the UN is the only way to avoid a major climate disaster. And the only way to do it is to dramatically increase family planning services around the globe and to do whatever is necessary to reduce worldwide fertility Rates, okay, and it says uh, here's some of the quotes that came out of it. This this report, the importance of the speed and magnitude of recent population growth in boosting future greenhouse gas emissions is well recognised among scientists, including the authors of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change reports. Still, calculations of the contribution of population growth to emissions growth globally produce a consistent finding that most of uh, past population growth has been responsible for between 40% and 60% of emissions growth. Each birth results not only in the emissions attributable to that person in his or her lifetime, so each person born, right, but also the emissions of all his or her descendants, hence the emissions saving uh, savings from intended or planned births multiply with time. So, you see, you're all responsible. That's what the Club of Rome said. Man is the enemy. See? You're starting to get a picture here. And it says, No human is genuinely carbon neutral, especially when all greenhouse gases are figured into the equation. Therefore, everyone is part of the problem, so everyone must be part of the solution in some way. Now, you're seeing Bill Gates coming out now again, right? I talking about the need to go carbon neutral. Huh? Is it this is the same group of folks? Climate change, one excuse, running the, this scam, the next excuse, you see. It's the same people, folks. The same billionaires at the top, front people, uh, coming out and pushing the same exact agenda much quicker using a wartime scenario, a war against COVID, than they could ever do, you see, with the climate change and persuasion. Hmm? Too many of you... And if you'd only become sterile, we'd be much happier. That's what they're telling you, you know. Absolutely, folks. This is what this is what there's. What do you think they're saying here? There's too many of you, and each one born creates so much carbon in their lifetime, eh? CO two. Huh? So does every insect on the planet. Anything that takes an oxygen does the same thing, folks. Huh? You're starting to get a picture. Everything, mice, rats, birds, everything. Huh? So why are you the enemy? Hmm? Because, you see, they don't like you. <laughs> they want you to be a much, much smaller number for the world they're bringing in. You see, you're past it. I always find that the early socialists were more vocal about the plan, you see. And George Bernard Shaw was rather vocal. I put the clip up years ago from a very early film that was done by him or with him. Where he talks about it, and he says, you will have to come to us, meaning that the top 
the real scientists, that's what you mean, because when you say socialists at the top, they mean they're the scientific group that run it all, you know? And you'll have to come to us and tell us why we should keep you alive in their system. That's what he said. You'll hear him if you ever find the clip. That's, I put up many, many moons ago. And then other ones, other folk took it and put it up again. So I don't have to stop there. But they're much more, much more. And he also came out with man and Superman and, you know, and, and different little plays, etc. To do with the future and people who couldn't go into the technology of things. And even then he was talking about all kinds of technologies, including vehicles and the scientific ages. They would be, the people who couldn't adapt to it would be obsolete and really shouldn't exist. Whereas the ones who could adapt would be the ones who would be allowed to live and survive. They would be the Superman, you see. Yeah. They were far more open and uh, about the agenda. It's the same the descendants, the same people, by the way, who are pushing it today. Look at the, look at Bill Gates' daddy and who he was involved in. Then you have uh, Aldous Huxley. He's still up, his, his YouTubes are still up there talking to Mike Wallace in the 1950s or 60s, was it? Uh, and talking about the future. And he starts to talk off with Wallace and says, Aldous, he's, Aldous Huxley, he says, um, well, yes, I mean, the main problem, actually, is overpopulation. There's got so much of population today. By another 10, 15 years, 20 years, it'll be double. They always start off their talks the same way, with the same topics. Huh? Now, the same people who talk generally in all these organizations, even principally, they have plenty of kids. They have no problem with having lots of kids and so on. You always, I've got books going back to the, to the turn of the 20th century where they were hammering the ordinary folk then to reduce the populations of the ordinary people. And, and even then, when folk were complying, you had two children per family, it wasn't good enough for them. They were churning out books on it by then. And then that, the, the, the comeback from the journal public, including at that time they had preachers and ministers that actually had power <laughs> and stood up for the people. And, and they actually said, well, well, and they named all the top elite in Britain, says, you are all parts of this, this, this agenda to depopulate the country. This is before World War One and Two, even. Eh? And even then that didn't stop them wanting more dead in their big world meetings. But uh, the, the ministers came out and, and named all these ones who were in charge of these boards eh, for depopulation, reducing the population of the working people. And uh, they named them all and says, some of you, you families, you've got 10 children or more than a family, some of them. They wanted you to reduce your population. See, you were, but they had the right genes. You had the bad genes. You had the wrong genes, you see. Hasn't changed. And I always say, when they have world meetings and world organizations set up, you better take note of them. These aren't little clubs. That they make wish lists, as I've said already, and, and send up the, the chimney to Santa Claus. They have massive organizations already existing, and they implement their findings and their, and, and their agendas. They implement, they make them happen. This is real, folks. You're living through it. That's what people can't, and literally, that's what, I have to be careful what I say here. They can't believe their world is falling apart and there could be any evil intent behind this. That's the choice you have to make because nothing makes sense. The facts aren't, aren't jiving with what they're telling you.
and then still want to believe that those uh, that they elect and or think they elect are there to help them and take care of them, like 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 a paternal system. So they want to believe that because the alternative of what could be happening is too horrific to contemplate. A deliberate agenda to what? This is too difficult to contemplate. In a society that's constantly told, like Bertrand Russell said, you live in the best country in the world, no matter what country it is, with the best health care in the world, no matter what country it is, and how bad your health care is, yada, yada, yada. And the people who guide you are the best in the world. We're taught that generation after generation. To keep you naive and stupid and simple. And very juvenile. That's why you've had, had you've been kept like a, a teenager your whole life long for most folk. But the trash they give you on television is entertainment. And they're horrible dramas. And, well, again, the culture and the arts, etc. Down the tubes. It was all by design. Don't ever advocate that people grow up and become mature. That's why they, they took away the manly type figures over the years. It was a, it was a planned, uh, you know, debated. Uh, everything happens is debated at high levels and often published things they'd like to bring into society using culture industries. And they do it, they implement them. They started doing away with the manly man and started bringing in the, the guy. Sometimes you're not quite sure. He's you know, kind of effeminate-looking males, narrow-shouldered, um, ready to cry. You're kind of like um, bedazzled with the guys on the beach and he keeps bursting into tears with the girl, you know. He looks at the sunset, oh my God, and starts, he's going to recite poetry, and he starts busting and crying and the whole thing, and everything's so overwhelmingly beautiful and emotional. And, and that's the big exaggeration. We, we really still, I think, I think we can, may still recognize it as comedy, but in other ones that are put across as straight things, it's just, uh, for years, the, the women are acting like the male roles. They know what to do in a crisis. The guys are cracking up. This is how they portray it to the world. They used to talk about giving people their idols because youngsters will copy whatever's put in front of them as the idol, the ultimate whatever. And we do. What's monkey see, monkey do. That's how we are. All by design. A war on society. War on the family. It's odd that, that the communists said that they do that, right? War on the family unit, destruction of the family unit, isn't it? And yet, you've got your own institutions that you've been funding your whole life long without, between your taxes. And regardless of the political party that you've had in power, the, these organizations keep funding these same or, uh, world organizations under the United Nations departments and so on for depopulation and women's rights, always, they always bring it into to abortion rights across the world. And believe you me, if they could compulsory, they mentioned it, sterilize them compulsorily, they would do it if they could get away with it. And believe you me, because they can get away with it, they have to do it in other means, folks. That's been discussed widely.
and yet the same confidence tricks of overwhelming terror used over the years. Prince Charles does it. Oh, we've got, oh, we've only got 90 days to fix the world, or we're finished. He's tried that a few times. And these liars are still working together against you right now. When do you start believing liars when they've lied before and over and over again? What's wrong with you? You still listen to them and believe them and repeat them, you know, when they lie the next time. And since all those days passed and months passed and years passed since the first big terror campaign, oh, you're all going to die unless we stop and, and hand over all our rights to world, world governmental systems to reduce populations. Well, heck, the time passed, we're still alive. Didn't fall apart. The skies didn't fall. But the terror campaigns that came out, every newspaper, again, the newspapers, they all on board with it, publishing the same tripe over and over and over. People, I've read the articles on there, was on there, youngsters committing suicide because they were believed they're all going to die. Couples. Oh, there's going to be a barren wasteland with global warming and, and no food. Oh, and, committing, and leaving notes that they're committing suicide. Terror campaigns upon the people from the same sources they are seeing today. The mantra is always the same. There's too many of you, too many of you. You're destroying the planet. You're destroying the planet. And so on. But again, when the numbers were much, much lower at the turn of the 20th century, they were saying the same things then. You're killing the planet. You're destroying the planet. See, regardless of numbers, they've always had the same agenda. And just to return to the, this unbelief, this state of disbelief, that folk go into the shock mode, you know. You've got to understand that what's happened in the past in history can be repeated over and over again. We don't become more civilized at all. It's the same drives running us all in every generation. It's the same drives running the psychopaths that formed the clubs long ago. They haven't changed at all. They have more power than they've ever had before, mind you and techniques of implementing the power and controlling the public. There's the same, same things that go on over and over again, repetition. The, the histories of ancient slaughter is bad enough. The techniques that were used by invading armies and so on, and even your own countries at times, uh, when they turn the troops against their own people. That, that most, most slaughters happen when governments turn the troops on their own publics. And uh, and it's well record, recorded that too, in fact. Bigger slaughters actually, and it's more sustained over longer periods by their own governments compared to fighting other nations. But when you look at, the, the, say, the, the communist Soviet system and the millions they slaughtered, and it's good to, to, to see some of the old documentaries on it and the characters involved to put in charge. They were all planned, again, took years to plan it all outside Russia, because most of them flooded into Russia from outside Russia. They go to the top positions in the military and the generals and even the concentration camps. And the execution squads and so on. 
and uh, some some documentaries and docudramas as well. I think one of them is the the Czechist is worth seeing if you haven't seen it before. Years ago, I put out these these links to it many years ago. Just then, it shows you how the communist system works and how they literally did, and they did send out. Uh, almost like invitations or commands to come. Once they moved into a place and took it over, they'd, they'd send for different people, uh, officials or dignitaries and so on, or clergymen, and tell them to come into this house at a certain time for a talk, you see, a meeting. And they'd walk in, and they're guided down the stairs into the basement, and as they go passing one of the doors, someone shoots them in the head. That happened over and over, and then also had many others uh, they like to slaughter them in basements. And actually say that. They said that. I don't know if it was Drzezinski that said that or not, but Drzezinski was the, one of the guys who was in, one of the heads of the NKVD at the time, the Chica. And um, Drzezinski is, is famous for, for his quotes. They'd love to get their, their, their quotes into the paper. I think they had probably hired folk to make up the quotes in the first place, like most important folk do, you know. But he said that... Um, the reason that we bring them into into basements as prisoners, so so they even you couldn't pass them on the street level and see or look down and see because they had no windows you see so you couldn't they couldn't come they, no, nobody on the outside could look in and see who was inside locked up packed into these rooms and so on all waiting execution and then led to the underground execution room as well. Where they had trolleys, they even put wheels on, some, like tracks in for some of them. They slaughtered so many per day, you see, hundreds and hundreds per day. And they, had, uh, they, would, they would put pulleys up and pull the bodies up uh, through the coal chutes onto outside waiting trucks and then take them off into the forest and dump them in mass graves, etc. Uh, they'd been dug by bulldozers, I suppose, you know. But this went on for years. And Drzezinski said the reason we do underground is so that they have no contact with the outside world. The outside world doesn't even know what's going on. And that way there's nothing left for historians to complain about. He said that was a mistake of previous uh, tyrannies or slaughterers <laughs> slaughtering their peoples. Is that uh, the, the, the people could often see through bars or whatever as to where they'd packed in the people that they were going to kill. This way it was done almost efficient, very hygienically in a sense. Social hygiene for the public couldn't see the slaughter that was going on, you see. But Derzinski also was famous for saying that um, about people, something they understood about humanity, and I hope, I mean, this is, again, you've got to understand, doesn't change. That's why you can see the same horror, and sometimes worse horror with every, every other generation. Honestly, it gets worse and worse. Because Derzinski said too, he says with the people, he had come, they really despised the ordinary folk, the folk who took over Russia. They hated them and despised them, and they were very vocal about it. Even when they killed off a whole class of people in boats, we have we have we have eliminated a whole class of people. The the, the intelligentsia was all all slaughtered and replaced by themselves. But Dzinski said, um, yeah, the people, he says, what do I think of the people? He says, well, he says, you can beat them. You, you can terrorize them. You can beat them. You can torture them. You can starve them. He says, did they turn around and, and fight off their oppressors? He says, no, he says, they just turn around and eat their dead. 
And that's the arrogance of our modern behaviorist folks, because that's where they get all the previous knowledge from that's passed down through time and repeated again and again, eh? That's what you're dealing with here. When, when you see the gates and the rest, I'm talking about too many of you and the need to start bringing down the population and taking over farmland like you wouldn't believe and talking about your, each person born is a, a problem. You're a burden on society because you, you, because of the carbon footprint, you know, that you'll have. But they're okay. These characters are private, massive yachts that are really ships. And, and their private jets and their, their multi-million dollar homes all over the world. Stacks of them, each. <laughs> because, you see, they're real humans and you're nothing. You're scum. I hope you, you better... They, they don't care about you. They despise you. And they've formed their clubs long ago as it bypassed this idea of democracy. Ain't no any pa- what power has ever handed its, itself over to the general public? It was never going to happen, never did happen. This dark, deep state has always been there. These characters behind it. They had no fear of democracy ever taking over. Why do you think Trotsky and all the rest of his character, I mean, Trotsky went back and forth. He, he, he was in the States more than that. He, was, he had his own, they had their own servants and everything. Same, same with Karl Marx in, in London. They had their own servants. These people who were, you know, the intelligentsia for the working people. <laughs> yeah. And why would London, that ran an empire, you better, you better start thinking here, why would London allow, supposedly, the, one of the foremost revolutionary writers to, to come over and live in London, kicked out of Germany, came over and lived in London, got access to all the libraries in, in, in the London Library, the, the, the biggest one on the planet, basically, with the archive books and the, and the reference sections and all the rest of it, and all the help to get whatever he wanted to write his, his, his manifesto. One of, his, one of the authors was written by others, too. Why would an establishment that was ruthless across the world, running a British empire, that used, you know, martial law plans and insurrection laws to, 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 to kill people in India and Africa who came against them, just arrested them, you know, one, every fifth man arrested them, to teach them a lot, just like the Soviets, Bolsheviks did. Terrorized them to terrorize terror into the into the, the the people of the villages, so as they wouldn't go against their what they saw as invaders and impress, oppressors. Of course, that's what they were. And Lord Kitchener did. He, he he was the guy they pulled in for the mass slaughtering at times. Yeah. Then the Bolsheviks do, and the Russians do. So why would a, an organization allow Marx to live in London? Uh, foments and have had world meetings for, for, for revolutionaries in London and let them have their, and even in the Palladium, by the way, they actually gave the Palladium one point for their big, big meetings. I think it was a Palladium. And, and didn't arrest them or kick them or ban them from coming into the country. When, when they said that their whole idea was to overthrow the existing system of rulership and to end 
you know, and there are different planks of the manifesto. And to end, you know, uh, the, the rule, the rulership, and all existing governments, by the way, they said in it too. Why would, why, would, why would they allow Marx to do that? When obviously all the elite and aristocracy would be, would be executed just like the French Revolution, including the royalty. No one seemed to be concerned about Why weren't they concerned about it? It isn't until you realize, no, this system would be a great system to use, to bring in across the world a more efficient system of ruling the people. The, the elite love this idea of socialism. Where your life is planned from birth, in school you're tested for your aptitudes, and, and you'll never decide what you want to work at as work to school, which is implemented in the States and elsewhere. The communist ideas. Don't you bother? Now we'll tell you what you're going to work at. And you couldn't change that. And you wouldn't be allowed to work at anything else once you had a job. Efficiency, 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 technocracy, efficiency, same thing. It's all the same thing. And the folk can't figure it out. And so under the, under the pretense that they're mortal enemies of the elites, you see, that's the pretense to keep, everything's pretentious in, in, in the system. Oh, we're going to have war with China. It's, we set China up. The West financed China and set them up by giving them all the factories. We've paid, we literally paid, the taxpayers paid for the factories to move there. And the WT organization and the Free Trade Agreement and the GATT Treaty. And when they made China the most favored nation trading status, they gave that designated to that. Literally, if any company that want to move there um, for, for, free, free, for cheap labor and all that got funded to move by Canada, the States, Britain, all the countries in Europe. They set up modern China. We paid for the moving and the cost of the moving. We paid for the losses of revenue income that they claimed that they, they could have lost until they got properly set up in manufacturing in China. I, I did all these talks years ago in real time as it was happening, many years ago. So we're going to go at war. The, the pretense we're going to have war with China. The, the, the place you set up to be the sole manufacturer for the planet. <laughs> China didn't steal anything, it didn't steal, they didn't say, oh, we're going to make ourselves the sole man. No, no, the West and all your politicians signed agreements to make it happen. And you're going to pretend that you're going to go to war with them now? Who's kidding who? Number one, you couldn't even compete, really, on a full-scale type war, even with advanced weaponry, if they don't have it. You don't know if they do or not. But the fact you couldn't. From, from a logistical point of view, you don't have the factories anymore to mass-produce the, the weapons of war and the instruments of war and mass-produce. Because modern warfare is very destructive of even military equipment. The average tank, they said years ago, would last maybe four minutes in a battle with modern guidance systems and all that, you know. Never mind all the other, the rest of the equipment that they have, two missiles galore and anti-missiles, missiles and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
shipping at sea, even it doesn't matter, I don't care what shipping you have at sea anymore, and massive modern aircraft carriers, uh, if they have a sustained attack from, from missiles coming in, they're going to run out of anti-missiles to hit them with. And eventually they go down, you know. Don't last that long. So you, you, you don't even have the facilities to mass-produce the equipment if you wanted to go to a full-scale war, a sustained war. You don't have the equipment and the, the systems to make it anymore. You give it all away, which means you're not going to go to war with China. It's not on that level. But they always must bring in... I gave the talk again in the late 90s about Russia. I said, you know, it was called the Big Bad Bear, you see. In the Cold War, before that, Uncle Joe was Uncle Joe. He's a good guy, suddenly. And he fought alongside you, you see, his guys and all that. So they're good guys. But they needed an enemy. As soon as a country immediately needs an enemy once the, the previous one's your pal. And, and so you must demonize them again or find a new enemy. To keep you safe, we're going to keep the governments keep you safe. That's why they it would keep you safe, you see, from whoever it happens to be. And they create the enemies. You build them up. Sometimes you flatten them. They're ones you're too big to flatten, like like today. It's a complete game at the very very top that people never figure, never fathom out, and they can't fathom it. And each generation lives through it. And who's the enemy today? George Orwell put it in 1984. Who do we fight today? Is it East Asia, West Asia? Who are we fighting, you know? As they keep changing the gun sights on new targets. And getting back now to disbelief. You suspend your disbelief. You suspend it all. And you're going to shock. You see, it, will, it must be more civilized than they were in daddy or granddad's time. It's not that long ago, folks, eh? Oh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and the communists slaughtered their own people, and so did the Chinese communists, and, and during World War II, the Germans as well, you know, uh, invaded countries and killed a lot of people. This is what all invading armies do. I don't care who's doing the invading, including the, all the Western powers went into Iraq and elsewhere. They found <laughs> literally shallow, mass shallow graves outside some of the places in Iraq after the American troops had been in for a while. This, is, this happens. This is what soldiers do, folks, you know. Nothing's changed. Smoke mirrors and deceptions, you know. But, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember talking about a, a clip that was out years ago. And I think it was in... Um, France, part of France, maybe, and you you saw the Germans just standing. And the talk I gave actually was about the people who are used. It was like the, the later Milgram experiments on why folks slaughter, who they're told to slaughter, and of course, in the, in the minor version, the Milgram experiments, of course, they the folk with. with uh, students and else and other people from the streets, basically, too, they paid to help volunteer. They actually paid them to go along with it, and and they they were th- they were sitting behind these machines. They were told were connected in, their, in another room to a person and had to ask them certain questions. And every and the, the, the people in another room could never win this this little you know questionnaire thing, and so yeah, I'm getting shocked. 
and it would get to a stage, and the person doing the shocking would hear them screaming and say, oh, and turn to the guy in the white coat, the authority figure, you see. And they say, oh, no, no, give him more, up the next, and there are 20 votes, and there are 100 votes, and they'd turn it up, the person would scream all the more, I think we're killing him. And the person, don't, no, you do what you're told. And they found that the people will, will literally do whatever they're told by a figure in authority if the person in authority is going to take the responsibility for the outcome. And so I gave the talk years ago about how it was done using the different firing squads and slaughtering squads. The Soviets had done, the Bolsheviks did it too. And the Germans, I remember reading in the German army doing it, because they did studies on it. They did, some of them, these firing squads, because we're using them for, fire, for killing folk every day in firing squads, literally had nervous breakdowns, and they, 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 they had it all worked out how long an average person could last just starting shooting unarmed people, you see. Uh, men, women, and children. And, and uh, they eventually would crack up, and you'd see them shaking and going to the, the standard shock systems of breakdowns, post-traumatic stress syndrome and so on. So I was talking about that too, but one of the clips they show you was more, it was, it was important too, because they showed you People running in this wasteland, you know, near demolished buildings, and you you would see them running towards the tr- uh, a, a dugout trench, you know, maybe I don't know, thirty feet long, and they'd, they'd jump into it because they were ordered to jump into it, and then the guys at the sides just were told to shoot them, and they shot them. You know, from st- they would stand up at top and shoot down into them like fish in a barrel, and then they would be carted off and buried somewhere else in some other one. Or else buried in that pit, you see. Then they'd see the next pit, and then they, they, and there's 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 people standing watching it, waiting their turn, and then they were told to run into the sea. Now you got to understand what Drzezinski said that I mentioned earlier. What, what did the folk rebel after you? Did you beat them, starve them, and kick them? And no, they don't. They turn around, and eat their dead. But that's that's the behaviour of humans in shock when their world is coming to an end. You, you can't even see their world anymore. Each person is a component on the little group there, but you're still an individual. And you're, it's your turn. And you can't believe it. You're still thinking. You've still got that little bit of hope in you. That surely they, they, they can't be intent on killing us all. And you see the faces of the people, there, maybe young guys, and say, they're surely not they're much like us, you know. <laughs> surely not. And, they, and then when they're ordered to, again, obedience to authority, they run, even though they've watched the previous group jump into the trench and get shot down. And they do the same thing again and again and again because they're in complete suspension of their faculties. And what they're perceiving puts them into shock because they've been trained, they live in a decent society and people are, are generally good, yada, yada, yada. And yet, they've, just, they've seen horror, and now it's their turn for it. This cannot be happening to me. To the bitter last second. You saw the same thing in Vietnam, and in Korea too, I'm sure, but in Vietnam, there are lots of videos of it too. You had the Mile Eye massacre and different massacres and slaughters going, because that's what happens in war, you know. It doesn't matter who's invading who. It makes no difference. Same things go on.
That's why you must never use the military internally. Because their, their job is for killing people. It's, it's, it's the last battle in a debate. Huh? That's what you use as a military, to dissolve the, the debate. You know? So with, with the disconnect between the, the facts given out to the public to do with COVID, when they keep, science can't be science, when they keep changing what they're telling you. Don't wear masks, wear masks. Oh, now wear two masks or more. Oh, it doesn't make any difference because it, the, the virus is so tiny, it gets through the masks anyway. Doesn't matter what kind of mask, yada, yada, yada. And constant lockdowns when no virus has ever been stopped before. You either get the thing and you get over it, you know, whatever virus it happens to be, even the flu. And you get herd immunity by natural causes. Most folk never even get the signs and symptoms of the natural flus. Just like COVID, similar, you see. In that respect, most folk don't all come down with the flu at the same time. The elderly come down with it, as they always have done nature. And every year is the same thing. More folk have died in previous years with the flu. I've got some of the articles here going back when they've used this before. But they didn't close down society and lock down everybody and completely wreck, deliberately wreck the economy because of the flu. This is a different agenda that's ongoing right now. To completely alter the system that you live in. As I've said before, you've been trained that life is cheap now by the bioethics committees and specialists. Well, we have to allow somebody to die, you see, to save the rest and restrict the, the, the medications in case we need it for other people. They haven't run out of anything so far, but they're restricting it from using it. And <laughs> people are plenty to spare. No, that's different. When things don't make sense, there's always a different agenda at work, obviously. Obviously. So remember Bill Gates again, back to this character. <laughs> I tell you, you couldn't make this character up in a movie. It's worse than anything in James Bond, actually. Because he's real. He's not playing the part, you know. And he, he prattles on about too many people, too many of you. And he's got a finger in every pie to do with the vaccine industry. Every pie across the planet, eh? He has no, I don't think he, he's even got a first aid certificate and he's supposed to be one of the world's leaders and all that, pushing all this stuff on different nations, etc. But what he is very vocal about, and this article here I've, I've been talking about too, it's quite a few years old. And it says, um, Bill Gates is obsessed with population control. As a solution, the claim, see the excuse they used to end was global warming. This is a few years ago. It's in the video posted below, Bill Gates explains his belief that carbon emissions from humans is ca causing climate change. Now, the only way to stop climate change is to reduce those carbon emissions to zero. That's right. When you watch it, notes how many times he emphasizes the need to bring these carbon emissions down to zero. That, that, doc, that film is still out there, by the way, that documentary. Uh, 
So how does he propose to do this? Well, one of his suggestions is to slow the growth of the population and how that cannot be accomplished. In the video, Bill Gates tells us exactly what his solution is. The world today has 6.8 billion people. They always start off with the numbers, you see. That's heading up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproduction, health services, he's talking about abortion, we could lower that by perhaps 10 to 15%. And this, this actual article says, now wait a minute, aren't vaccines supposed to keep people alive? Wouldn't more vaccines actually increase the population? Or does Bill Gates know something that we don't? <laughs> well, yeah. Huh? And who made him the population czar? Huh? And why is he obsessed with it like his daddy before him? And how come, that's what I'm mentioning too, in most families, you know, sons and daughters, but definitely the sons, are often at odds with their dads, with, with opinions, or whoever fascinated the dad might, the son might not give a darn about in some area or whatever. How come these characters are born in these positions of power with the same roles, and they go along with the same roles as though they were their daddy? You'd hardly admit, you'd know the difference, you know. With the, same with Prince Charles. Eventually gave him the, the job of taking over from his daddy, Prince Philip. And Prince Philip, the head of the Sierra Club, many other organizations were all to do with population control and too many people. He was very vocal about it. I can remember, too, another one that they put out there years ago. See, anything that they have you watching the TV on, eh? Is generally a front for something else. Jacques Cousteau, the great Jacques Cousteau, I'm in here in my, my boat, the Calypso, and we are traveling through the ocean and looking for Atlantis and all that stuff. And uh, well funded by a big foundation, by the way. This actually in the news today, you know. It's got a kind of welcoming sound about it. But, but Cousteau himself, you know. But yeah, getting all the youngsters into nature, they give you the sea, the ocean, and they give you the land. And they had the Dattenboroughs, that for the land, and many other ones too. And Cousteau, and that for the sea. And um, fascinating children, great photography, you know, no expense spared on their photography, you know, to get everybody watching it. And they start talking about, and the people there, the people are destroying the planet and the, the ecosystem and so and he actually came out and he said eventually, he belonged to eugenics clubs. But he said, we need to kill, uh, we'd have to kill, and this is what he said, hey? They'd have to kill something like 45, no, no, it was, it was the hundreds of thousands of people per day for so many years to save the planet. That's what he said in a magazine interview. This great Jacques Cousteau. And again, that puts a lot of youngsters in the show. You say, oh, well, well, I grew up on you know, in Castorn. He liked the little fishies, etc. Well, he didn't like you <laughs> any more than, than, than Attenborough. David Attenborough likes you either. Or it's a Saturday, he got knighted, didn't he? Why would royalty knight someone? Well, because royalty's part of the same eugenics clubs too, you know. I mean, they give royal assent to that which run the same as they gave assent for Karl Marx to write his Communist Manifesto in London. <laughs> uh, folk never figure it out, do they? 
Everything's just a strange coincidence when things make no sense to them. This particular article goes on quite a few years back. I remember on air, it was on air at the time. I read it too uh, from the main newspapers of the day talking about Bill Gates, again, like this video, but talking about the ones in the same club at the time. They had the secret meeting. Actually, someone managed to get it out to the public and they had different nicknames for the meeting, like the Lucky Gene Club was one of the nicknames that the press gave to them. But it said that um, after David Rockefeller explains how we're on the verge of a massive ecological disaster because there's too many people on the planet, it says that they had this meeting and it says... Um, just over a year, this is, this is like 2010, I guess, this article here, it might be earlier. It said that David Rockefeller, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, uh, George Soros, Michael Bloomberg, Ted Turner, Oprah Winfrey, and a number of other incredibly wealthy individuals held a meeting, a secret meeting, it was initially secret, in New York, and it, but luckily got into the papers, by the way. It says, what was the topic of the secret meeting? It says, population control. And one anonymous attendee, the meeting was quoted in a major UK newspaper as saying that overpopulation is something so nightmarish that everyone in this group agreed it needs big brain answers. So it says, um, it says apparently they are, they are the big brains that are going to figure out the best ways to make sure that there are fewer of the rest of us running around. So the next time you hear about the incredible threat of climate change in the mainstream media, keep in mind what the global elite believe the ultimate solution to that threat is. As Bill Gates said, they're not going to be satisfied until they get carbon emissions by humans down to zero. Considering the fact that you've been breathing out carbon dioxide the whole time that you've been reading this article, that's not good news for you. It's a fact, folks, eh? But now they've got COVID as well and vaccinations. Eh? It's a lot faster than waiting for you to start breathing by yourself, isn't it? And climate change. I'll also put up the article that was mentioned there from uh, the United Nations Department of Population Fund. They call it Population Fund. It's rather than control. It used to be called control. But it's the same organization. And uh, and by the way, I think they get over. They were getting over fifty million just from the U.S. when Barack Obama was in to, to do their business across the world. You know, empowering women to not to have children by abortion clinics and things and other techniques as well. So facing a changing world, women, population, and climate—that's what the title of the of the UN uh, paper is. So this report argues that their reproductive health care, including family planning and gender relations, could influence the future course of climate change and affect how humanity adapts to rising seas, worsening storms and severe droughts. Women, especially impoverished women in developing countries, bear the disproportionate burden of climate change but have so far been largely overlooked in the debate, blah, blah, blah. The report draws attention to population and low-lying coastal areas that are vulnerable to climate change, etc., etc., etc. But then they go into the ways to, to basically help women to have fewer children. You see, it's all a depopulation is what it is, folks. Eh? Hmm? 
it says the report shows investments and empower, that empower women and girls, particularly education and health, bolster economic development and reduce poverty and have a beneficial impact on climate. Girls with more education, for example, tend to have smaller and healthier families as adults. No, they don't. That happens only with a better income. That's what the West has proven over. And so they're lying there again, you see. You, you would have a better income and a better economy for the, all the people there. And that's when they start having less children as families. Since so women with access to reproductive health services, including family planning, have lower fertility rates that contribute to slower growth in greenhouse gas emissions in the long run. Always under the guise to help you or to help men or help women or help children. It's always the same thing, eh? The same agenda under different guises. Now, the Vatican walks back no jab, no job decree after criticism. This is amazing, this, this present Jesuit. It's true enough, it's a Jesuit, you know. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're like the CIA. I always think of them like the CIA, unfortunately. Of the Catholic Church, they didn't. They they couldn't hold these positions in previous some centuries gone by because of their anti-Catholic nature, I'd say, and and a different agenda from the Catholic Church at times. But it says in a February eighth decree by Cardinal Giuseppe Bertello, the governor of the Vatican City, said getting a vaccine was a responsible choice because of the risk of harming other people. That's all written by psychologists for those, they, they call it the shaming technique, eh? I mean, you feel guilt to, to me to comply and get and do, oh, well, you know, you, well, I don't want you to hurt other people. Even though the vaccines, by the way, and the CDC admits this too, and so did Fauci, uh, eventually when he was asked, it doesn't stop you getting the disease or passing it on. Huh? Do you get that point? Getting the vaccine doesn't stop you getting the disease or passing it on. Now they're telling you it won't work with other strains. They were out a year ago, by the way, because I've got the old reports. The claim they just found them now, eh? <laughs> like any virus, it gets multiple strains because viruses constantly alter and mutate from person to person even. Taking bits of your DNA and leaving others in your body, you know, that's, that's what they do is... It robs and it leaves behind eh? and mutates constantly. So that's why you can't really have a, a vaccine that works with it, even the old-fashioned vaccines, you know. That's why you don't have one for AIDS either, you know. Anyway, here we go, and it says, um, the decree said that those who cannot get vaccinated for health reasons may be given another position presumably where they would have contact with fewer people, but will receive the same pay even if the new post is a, a demotion. But the decree said those who refuse to get a vaccination without sufficient reason, right? It's not coercing you or anything, would be subject to a specific provision in a 2011 law on employee rights and duties. The article in the 2011 law says employees who refuse preventative measures could be subjected to varying degrees of consequences that could lead to dismissal. So they're not persecuting you or anything. You've got choices. You know, you could, you could go and get the vaccine and, and they wouldn't pester you anymore. After new, new stories about the decree on Thursday, many Italians took to Twitter 
to criticise it with some saying it was contrary to Pope Francis's general call for mercy. On Thursday night, Bertello's office issued a statement saying that alternative solutions would be found for those who do not want to get the vaccine. Okay. It says... Uh, the law we specifically mentioned the possibility of dismissal should not be seen as sanctioning or punitive and that freedom of individual choice would be respected. Yep. Pope Francis is a big supporter of vaccines to stem the spread of coronavirus. It's not, they say it this way. <laughs> I keep saying this, I just said it earlier. The media keeps saying the same things too, you know. Even though from the official sites, of even the vaccine companies to say this won't stop you getting it or spreading it. Oh. So, so France is a big supporter of vaccines to stem the spread of the coronavirus and the Vatican has made a COVID-19 vaccination obligatory for journalists accompanying the Pope on his trip to Iraq next month. Why doesn't he get locked down for a while until it's over, huh? rather than going over to Iraq? There have been fewer than, than 30 cases. Now, that's just testing. And for, most folk probably don't even, even know they had it or whatever. Or maybe they even don't have it. Because even the swab test, the called, so-called virus test, this is what they mean by the virus, is a swab test. It, it, it's picking up all kinds of old coronaviruses all over. Because they're, they're all through, they've always been through society, coronaviruses. So anyway, fewer than 30 cases that tested positive, eh? in the Vatican City, most of them among the Swiss Guard who live in a communal barracks. There you go. This article here too is from the Mail Online and it says Justice Minister Robert Buckland, I guess this is Britain I suppose, suggests company bosses who demand workers get a jab for a job would not be breaking the law if they were new staff. Just amazing, eh? So they, 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 right now they, they can't force the ones who are already employed right, to get it in certain jobs. But for, for new people, they'd be forced to get it, you see. They get that, somehow that's legal to do that because of the difference. So Judge Mullins of Pimlico the Plumbers will add no jab, no job rule to contracts. He says he has spoken with lawyers about making jab mandatory for new hires. Mr. Mullins added that he is willing to pay for private vaccinations when available and added people would crawl across the snow naked to get a vaccine. Well, that's their fault. And companies demanding employees have the, have the vaccine before they're allowed to work might not be breaking the law with a demand a top politician has suggested. Justice Secretary Robert Butland, okay. Mm -hmm. So he suggested it could be possible to make it a condition of a job offer for new staff. It came as Pimlico Plumbers and Barchester Healthcare, one of the UK's largest care home groups. Odd names, Pimlico Plumbers. They joined others saying that they would not hire new staff who've refused jabs uh, on non-medical grounds. And Downing Street, too. Eh? I said it would, would be discriminative to force someone to have a coronavirus vaccine in order to keep their job. But Mr. Buckland told ITV's Preston, I would be depend upon very much on the terms of employment and the particular contract. So here they are. You know they're going to do this anyway. You know The, the reason what I'm, I'm saying, 
everybody's they're so desperate to get everyone done here for something which they say won't stop you spreading the illness or even contracting it, by the way. They don't know yet, huh? Since they claim they don't know how long, which they don't, by the way, for their own vaccinations, they don't know how long their immunity caused by the vaccines, if it gives you any at all, will last. But they do have, again, the tender out for all the adverse reaction, the side effects, which the government expects is going to be so big they can't cope for it for themselves, so they're tendering it out. This is from their own website saying this. Huh? Why would you risk all these adverse effects, or any of them, for something that's got less than 1%, a fraction of 1% chance of damaging you, especially if you're in your 80s? Something else at work here, isn't there? Back to Bill Gates, population, and da 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 because the rest of the stories don't jive, this doesn't jive logically. Where most folk don't even get any ill by the thing. And if they claim that they've had it, they'll have antibody, their own body system antibodies against it. So you don't have to risk a new mRNA, an, a, a, an alteration of, of your own chemistry or, or your DNA. And the risk of that entails by having your own antibodies, which won't entail the risk of changing your own RNA, you know. Oh, I tell you. There's something else at work here, obviously. 28-year-old Wisconsin healthcare worker, a pretty young female, you know. And a healthcare worker has aneurysm, brain dead five days after the second experimental Pfizer mRNA COVID injection. So Sarah Stickles, she was from Belois, or I don't know how you spell it, Belois, Wisconsin, healthcare worker at Swedish American Hospital, it's called, has suffered a brain aneurysm and is now brain dead just five days after receiving the second experimental mRNA COVID injection from Pfizer. Sadly, this is another instance reported where a young healthcare worker in the prime of their life with no previous existing health conditions has died after being injected with one of the experimental mRNA COVID injections. She was an organ donor. <laughs> used to make money off you even though they've just killed you maybe. So her body's been kept alive until they find suitable recipients for her organs. Hmm. These behind a young son, siblings, friends and family members who have expressed shock on Facebook at her sudden death. The sister, Jamie Lynn Cruz, announced on Facebook February 11th that the family was saying their goodbyes because there's no hope for her recovery. His brain dead, you see. A lot of folk are having these uh, episodes, encephalitis, and uh, you can see it both ways, by the way. You know, Even in medical school, they say encephalitis, some say encephalitis. But uh, massive inflammation in the brain area, you know. And you even get meningitis. You also get inflammation in the spinal cord. It's one of the listed side effects that can happen. And also platelet disruption is where your body starts attacking its own platelets and you hemorrhage to death too. You've got to real now. You, when if you decide to take the you get get information. You're supposed to get informed consent. And have them explain what I'm telling you here, but get them to read the side of possible side effects off the, the the accompanying literature that comes with the vaccine cases. You know these batches all have have these these explanations there. Have that explained to you, and then make a decision. 
That's called informed consent. Not, oh, it's good for you, or we believe. Get the facts, you know, which they admit to. 143 Brits die shortly after their COVID jabs, but vaccines didn't play a role, say regulators. They said regulating all, all the truth and the facts. And, uh, it says COVID jabs given to millions of Brits are safe, despite 140 patients dying shortly after immunization. And again, you can't say they're safe with when you're on, like I've said already, you're, you're the next part of the trial. They didn't do the trial before they gave you the vaccination and the challenge tests. And that's what the article that I mentioned before, when they put out the app, they track for the adverse reactions. They don't know what they're going to be yet. So they can't say they're safe. Hmm? Except in the media. The media are telling they're safe. Now, you've got to start seeing these characters are complicit in what's happening to people by telling you it's safe when it's obviously not proven to be safe yet. So the drugs watchdog said vaccines played no part in the fatalities with almost all occurring in the elderly or ill, right? So being ill is, is in a disease now, you see. And uh, so you know, the majority are in elderly people with, with underlying illnesses, like the young folk just mentioned too. And for lots of young folk getting it now, by the way. And um, so there's no suggestion that the jab played a role in the deaths, more than 10 million Brits have now had their first dose of COVID vaccination and told there have been 22,820 reports of suspected side effects. We mean suspected side effects logged until January 24th. And by the way, they're, they're admitting that for every report, that, uh, generally each report is about 1% of the ones actually, 99% don't report them or they won't, they won't accept them as side effects in the report. And then they repeat the same mantra. The vaccines are the most effective way to protect against COVID-19, save lives and prevent serious complications from the terrible virus. There you go. And so this doctor says the data we collected provides, and she's the the MHRA chief executive, so naturally she'll say, so the data we've collected provides further evidence that COVID-19 vaccines are safe and continue to meet the rigorous regulatory standards that are required for all vaccines. It's like robots talking, isn't it? He's a very scientific statement. Their main content, the benefits of the vaccines outweigh any risks. That's very scientific. So regardless, you see, of what they say, there's obviously risks. So they've decided the benefits of it outweigh the risks. Well, something's either safe or it's not. If it's safe, there are no risks. You understand that? The report published today found that most people had mild and short-lasting side effects. Most, probably the ones that had anaphylactic shock. Anyway, they're just nuisances. <laughs> so, so that reflect a normal immune response to vaccine, including a sore arm and fatigue. The most frequently reported side effects are injection site tenderness and pain, headaches, fatigue, joint and muscle pain, fever, chills and nausea. There's also 75 reports of facial paralysis or paresis from people after having both vaccines, the report found. This is listed as possible side effects due to a smaller number of reports and trials, but has not been confirmed as linked to the jabs. So even in the trials, they weren't linked to them. 
Dr. Philip Bryan, the vaccine safety lead at the MHRA, that's the one that, that's following the adverse effects, added on the deaths. Another cause or reason was involved in the deaths, and we do follow them all up. So there you go. Deaths after vaccinations can worry people, but it's really important that we put this out to the public domain uh, so that people understand what they mean and what they don't mean. They don't raise alarms in the numbers, but also in the cases. You understand, that means nothing. What he just said means nothing <laughs> to anybody here. <laughs> and Dr. Rain added, our priority is to ensure the public have safe and effective vaccines. Okay, it's propaganda. Tell us the facts here. I'd like to thank everyone who's reported a potential side effect to us. Every report matters. Well, does it? <laughs> so here's the thing, too. Eh? Anyone who has a side effect from any medication or vaccine can report them online on the yellow card scheme. And the link is here for it, too. MHRA.gov.uk Where there's also a specific section for... COVID treatment and vaccines. Remember, they're recording all this because they don't know what all the side effects are going to be yet. So this is how the MHRA have collected the majority of their data in the safety report. It comes as data reveals that Brits who've already recovered from COVID, right, have been warned that they are more likely to suffer jab side effects. See? See, if you, I've noticed this all before too, by the way, that uh, gynecologist, obstetrician who died in the States with it, with the jab, after the jab, eh? when his own immune system started to destroy his platelets suddenly. You know, just a coincidence, of course. You know, it could happen to anybody. It happens all the time. And it killed him within a couple of weeks. He'd, apparently, when they autopsied him, they found they had his own immune response, cells, antibodies in his body, developed by his own body, by himself, no vaccine, but they also found the vaccine antibody in his body as well. I think there's a conflict with the two of them. That's what it would seem to be. It would seem to be that. Because his own immune system, regardless of if it was the, of the, the vaccine one, or his own immune system, then started to attack his platelets and hemorrhage to death. So this article, we kind of confirm that possibility here, it says. It comes as data reveals, and the link is here, by the way, who've already recovered from COVID, right, with their own immune response system and own antibodies, have been warned that they're more likely to suffer side effects from, the, from a vaccination. Well, don't, why do you need a vaccination if you've already got your own antibodies against the disease? It doesn't make any sense at all. So there's something else at work here, for a different reason. The German home, this is, this is a, a home, like a nursing home, whistleblower video footage of forced COVID vaccines in German nursing homes goes public. And the attorney who's dealing with it now says, we're dealing with homicide, maybe even murder. Hmm? Now, I wouldn't stop there, as I say. I would deal with the media too, folks who are telling you this is safe when you can't tell, you can't, you can't specify it's safe when it's still in trials. The data isn't even known yet for the next stage of the trial. So this says, earlier this week you published the English translation of a video in German that attorney René Fulmich published with a whistleblower 
who works in a nursing home, was where several residents were injected with experimental COVID mRNA shots against their will, hmm? and where many of them died a short time later. And it says to see this, I should show you the, the link to the, to the video here, I think. And it says that since the interview was published, other whistleblowers in Germany who work in nursing homes have also stepped forward, some with video footage showing residents being held down and vaccinated against their, their As I mentioned earlier, this happened in the 1930s in Germany with the racial hygiene program they brought in where they decided to eliminate the unfit inside Germany. People who were born um, with so-called retardation problems and things like that. They went around the hospital just killing them off. And they used, uh, sometimes the military too, to do that. <laughs> but they used doctors as well, euthanized them all. Very practical, you see. Why spend money on folk who are ill or not quite the same as you, you know? We're hearing the same prattle today all over. We've been hearing this stuff for years. Why keep folk alive, you know? Until it's your turn, eh? This is attorney Rainer Fulmich uh, talking about the residents who were previously in good physical health and only suffered from dementia stated one of them was a runner in his late 70s, or was a runner, I should say, who was also an opera singer. Yeah? Out ran one of the nurses who was in her mid-30s. He was still singing operas on the day he got vaccinated. After vaccination, a couple of days later, he died. So he was fit and healthy and he could run again. It says, so this opera singer doesn't sing anymore. One of the most disturbing things about what these whistleblower videos reveal, according to attorney Filmich, is that they now are getting more and more calls from other whistleblowers in us and homes in Germany around the world where they're reporting the same things. That, remember that other guy is a nursing assistant, I think, in the States, came out too. He's been breaking down about um, dying in his place too, a big nursing home, after getting vaccinations. Sweden, for example, and Norway, for example, and Gibraltar, the links are all here. There are also incidents in England and in the U.S. Again, all links are here that fit these descriptions. The attorney, Filmich, is not afraid to state exactly where this evidence leads us. It means that people are dying because of the vaccines, he says. What we're seeing in this video clip is worse than anything we've ever expected. If this is representative of what's going on in other nursing homes and in other countries, then we have a very serious problem. So do the people who make the vaccines, and so do the people who administer the vaccines. It looks more or more as though we're dealing with homicide and maybe even murder. This is from lawyers now starting to get on, on, on the act now, and um, it has to get, come out eventually, all this stuff that's happening. This is how fitting that the tide of whistleblowers coming forward now is gaining steam in Germany, whose population is probably all too familiar with our country's own history of eugenics programs that was implemented in Germany during World War II. Most of it was before World War II, actually. The horrific medical experimentations and genocide happened in Germany were condemned during the Nuremberg trials, and it's very clear that these experimental mRNA COVID injections when given to people without informed consent and against their will are clearly violating the principles of informed medical consent.
and the condemnation of medical experimentation that is spelled out in the Nuremberg Code. To anyone participating in forced COVID vaccinations, either through supplying the injections or actually doing the injections, you are hereby put on notice that you are participating in homicide mass murder and justice will catch up to you at some point. So, folk are getting rather serious about this in some some countries. Eh? But as I say, it's best experimental technique that they're putting into you. Hasn't been done in humans before, at least not that we've been told to in any legal sense, or uh, maybe covertly it's been, who knows, but uh, nothing authorized before. Do not resuscitate orders cause potentially avoidable deaths, write later fines, another article here. And the Care Quality Commission that all says orders were wrongly applied in English care homes in the early part of the pandemic, okay? So the do not resuscitate orders were wrongly allocated to some care home residents during the COVID-19 pandemic, causing potentially avoidable deaths. The first phase of a re- reviewed by England's Care Quality Commission has found, well, but shouldn't they start prosecuting these people that caused this too? The regulator warned that some of the inappropriate, oh, it's just inappropriate, do not attempt to cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Some of the inappropriate ones, eh? Notices applied in the spring may still be in place and called on all care providers to check with a person concerned that they consent. So they'll be letting folk die again without. So the review was prompted by concerns about the blanket application of the orders in care homes in the early part of the pandemic and the fears that the National Health Service hospitals would be overwhelmed. That's why they claimed that they, they put it out. Well, the hospitals weren't overwhelmed, were they? The GQC received 40 submissions from public, most about in DNA, CPR, and orders that have been put in place without consulting with the person or their family. They've been doing that for years with National Health Service. I did the articles years ago on that. They put a little chart at the bottom of your bed with little codes on it. And uh, they've been doing it forever to save cash. Yeah. Get you out. You're carried out. They don't care as long as you're out. So I'll put this article up too. So there's evidence of unacceptable and inappropriate de- don't resuscitate you know, orders being made at the start of the pandemic, it says. So there's some admissions coming. Somebody must be suing them for they get even admissions at all. Or they know that there's, there's, there's lawsuits getting worked up against them. That's the only reason they've come out and say anything like that. And of course, in Texas, and with Texas, it's amazing to see them. Oh, but this this terrible storm's holding back the vaccinations. What's more important, you know, stopping them freezing to death, because you've cut off the coal supplies and gas supplies and all the rest of it in favour of windmills and all the rest. They knew this this would happen years ago. I did the talks again years ago on this thing. What would happen when Maurice Strong talked about closing down the power plants in Canada? And they brought him over from the United Nations position to actually work at Ontario Hydro for a while. And they privatized it to jack up all the prices. It says people can use less and less electricity if we put the prices up. Energy, energy, reduce energy consumption. And we start dying. You understand? <sighs> the guy who gave you the biodiversity treaty, Mr. Maurice Strong, right? that nobody ever got a chance to vote for on anything like all the rest of these characters. So in Texas, yeah, 
They're trying to survive um, because of all the massive cutbacks on other alternatives. I've mentioned this before. When you see your, your things that are vital to you, sources to get food from, sources to get medical care from, so, sources to get anything you need, even heat from, power, any energy, being monopolized into a singular system, you're in big trouble. Because big agendas are underway right now. Now, they've had this happen before in Texas and other countries. And it happens maybe once a century, sometimes twice a century, you know. Massive deep freezes. And so to pretend that they would never see it coming. No, no, you never wait for it happening when you've had it in the past. They don't care what century you've had it. And even the fact you've had it in the past, it will happen again. And for windmills, it frees up. Eh? And solar panels are covered in snow and geist. Um, well, that's you, kid. That's it. You know. You better start lobbying very fast to get something. But it won't matter because Biden's already totally committed to the to the. I call it the depopulation agenda of the climate change agreement. It's depopulation. That's what it's for. And I've mentioned already that the tenders, the Ted Turner's Electronics Daily Supplement is another article talking about the tenders put out for the adverse uh, reactions to the vaccine. Eh? The software tool to process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccines. This is from the government. This was the government. It says the government states the MHRA urgently seeks an artificial intelligence Software tool to process the expected high volume of COVID-19 vaccine adverse drug reactions. Maybe we should hand these all out to the media that tells you it's all perfectly safe. And it also says, for reasons of extreme urgency under regulation to give the long regulation, related to the release of a COVID-19 vaccine, MHRA have accelerated the sourcing and implementation of a vaccine-specific tool, artificial intelligence tool. It's not possible to retrofit the MHRA's legacy systems to handle the volumes of adverse reactions that that will be generated by COVID vaccine. Therefore, if the MHRA does not implement the artificial intelligence tool, it will be unable to process these adverse drug reactions effectively. This will hinder its ability to rapidly identify potentially safety issues with the COVID-19 vaccine and represents a direct threat to the patient's life and public health. What part of that says, says to you that it's perfectly safe and they know it is? This is why do they expect a high volume of adverse drug reactions will be generated? And would it not be more sensible to determine the safety profile of a COVID-19 vaccine while the stable door is shut, rather than monitor the galloping horse once it has bolted? Well, that would be the way you normally do it, wouldn't it? Same with the challenge test. They wouldn't give it to the volunteers. They were paid volunteers. And young and healthy, right? In case they got ill, they said, in some of the previous articles. What's the point in giving to the whole population and watching them perhaps getting ill when they're challenged with their live virus in, in, in the outside world after getting the vaccination? That's what the challenge test is for. To see if it works or if it has any adverse reactions such as overwhelming cytokine storms. When your body overreacts, to the real virus and and it kills you. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) 
things just don't add up here at all. And quite a few different articles. This one here is from Pharma Forum, it's called. And again, about uh, MHRA, the adverse side effects and so on, looks to artificial intelligence to hunt for COVID-19 vaccine side effects. And they all re- repeat the same thing, because they think they can't hardly believe it, where the government says in its own um, website, where it's putting out the tender, it says that they expected large amount of adverse reactions. You know, They all repeat the same thing. It's his former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair said this morning, you might entrust the guy who took you to war, eh? <laughs> that the AstraZeneca Oxford University adenovirus-based vaccine should be rolled out as soon as possible, ideally in the month of November, as, November, as it's essentially safe. Eh? This guy has his own foundation, you know, the Tony Blair Foundation now. Put out amazing propaganda. The man who, again, brought you to war, that helped to wreck Europe with the mass migrations they folk getting out of the war zones. Ah, oh, yeah. The guy who literally went to his mentor, who was Isaiah Berlin, right? And it was the newspapers at the time. He went there to ask him about, uh, could you look at positive freedom and negative freedom? For those who don't know what it is, you look it up. And, and to see if he could get... Um, Use both of them together. This is before COVID broke out. You know, this coincidence, mind you. Yeah. Because lockdowns, etc. And negative freedoms, all the rest of it, yada, yada, yada. This is a few years ago he said that. Anyway, that was the newspapers at the time. This article here, again, uh, CDC says 929 are dead. 15,923 are injured, reported following experimental mRNA COVID injections. And so the CDC has done another data dump today into the vaccine adverse event reporting system, the VAERS system, V-A-E-R-S, the U.S. government-funded database that tracks injuries and causes and deaths caused by vaccines, and, and also not just vaccines, but I think medications too. Data goes through the February 12th. Uh, 2021 with 15,923 recorded adverse events, including 929 deaths following injections. You imagine to be a lot higher than that since the most, most deaths this year had nothing to do with it. <laughs> they immediately say it even before they've autopsied the person or anything else. Uh, <laughs> and whistleblower video footage of forced COVID vaccines, the German ones I mentioned earlier too. And the shaky signs behind the deadly new strains of SARS-CoV-2. There's a good documentary up there uh, by a, a virologist, again, someone who deals with specialising in, in uh, viruses and so on. Talk about the new variants being, being the most dangerous and unpredictable being since Osama bin Laden. That's what they're saying, they're the most dangerous and unpredictable beings. Everyone needs to stay safe from these invisible but murderously mighty microbes by shunning contact with the unwashed, unmasked, and unvaccinated. But is that drastic approach when they work, it says, you know. The second Pfizer COVID shot was halted in Spain after 46 deaths in one nursing home following the first shot. Uh, CDC now reports fewer total deaths following COVID injections than last week. Can we trust any of their data? <laughs> Ah, oh, dearie. 
So the, 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 again, facts don't matter, and and again, you can trust your lying eyes. You can trust to your own uh, your own lying conclusions eh? of common sense. Or should you do what Fauci said on that TV interview? It was up on on uh, on the internet for a while, uh, but he was on a TV show, and he said that the Americans are going to have the trouble. They're they're used to this idea of independence and having rights. They said they're going to have trouble. They should really just just accept it. They should do just do what they're told. Sometimes that's what he said. Uh-uh-uh. Imagine what you're hearing, the, the things that you read in history books that tyrants would have said. And you're hearing tyranny spoken and ordered about today. Uh, it's just astonishing that folk don't recognize it. You know? Green Pass site crashes even as Netanyahu urges Israel to adopt reopening the plan. The health ministry site to issue pass uh, passage remains down hours before new system is sent to start. Passable give vaccinated and recovered Israelis access to sports, culture and hotels. There you go. If you get your, your vaccine pass, your passport, you see. But um, it collapsed, apparently. And um, they're even saying it may have been hacked by disgruntled Israelis, which is very possible. You understand, this is to be for the rest of everyone's lives, passports. And eventually, they're going to force you to take it if you want to be able to do anything in life, apart from staying inside your own home. In fact, I don't think they'll even let you stay in your own home eventually. This is a massive agenda for worldwide, eh? And uh, I've already mentioned a 28-year-old Wisconsin healthcare worker who had the claim she had an aneurysm. You can also get a very sudden one caused by a, something attacking it by the way your blood vessels, and it swells up like a little balloon and becomes weakened, and then and then you go. You see, it doesn't have to be something. You're, it was an eight, innate already there. Things, certain illnesses can cause aneurysms. Even syphilis can cause that too. None of this you had now. Doesn't mean that certain things can cause that over time. But so can certain things introduced in your body of, of any type of massive infection. There's certain types you can be born with or be hereditary, like berry aneurysms, but not always. They can develop too from other reasons. And you can get aortic aneurysms as well, and so on. That often kills people. So they, and we already know this thing attacks your 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 system for clotting. Well, the mechanism. The German holidaymakers flock to the Canary Islands despite pandemic, and they say that they. Don't feel guilty at all. Good for them. Right? I think they can afford it if that's what they want. And so the Angela Merkel said, everyone realizes that this is not the time to travel. I wonder if, I wonder if Merkel's been off secretly. Like most of them go off on their holidays secretly now in their private jets. Everything's so secretive now because the, the, the general public, you know, the scum are not supposed to know what's going on. And by the way, have you seen articles where in the U.S. government and Britain and so on, that the governmental, uh, 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 keep fit gyms for government employees are allowed to stay open all through all this stuff. They haven't shut them down. And one of the one of the politicians actually and bureaucrats said that it says, "Oh no!" And they mentioned the exemption exemption clause that whoever they force upon the public doesn't apply to them. Oh, tyranny, tyranny! Uh, you're seeing it all, folks. You really are. Eh? And then so, many of them are off on their holidays and so on. And whenever they get found out to be off on a holiday, same happened in Canada. 
with different politicians and top and police chiefs and so on. Oh well, we didn't realise. They've some little excuse, and it's okay for them. You see, you're you're not essential. You should stay at home. The real folk that still work, you see, and the important people at the top, they need their holidays. You don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, some of the Germans did go off to to the Canary Islands, eh? For the sun, the air, and the sea, and nature. Good for them. And this other article here is to do with... It was that Dr. Carrie, is it Madej, I call her, M-A-D-E-J, or Jai, why vaccines are a threat to humanity and cause infertility. It's quite interesting, too, what's been found inside these vaccines. There's also another article put out by a scientific publication of a study that's been done that actually say that prions, you know these prions that give you mad cow disease and eventually the, the human variety as well, you know, Jacob Kutzville syndrome. Prions can be, can actually have been found, <laughs> I don't know if it's been found in people or animals or what, but been found to, to, to come together, to be created inside some of the ingredients within this particular, these particular vaccines. So if I, can, if I can find out, I'll put that one up too, but it, uh, I've got so much stuff here, I can't do it all. Dellingpole, James Dellingpole, there used to be, I think, in the, was it the Daily Mail? It was one of the British papers, and now I think he works for Breitbart now, but um, it says here that uh, Britain is now a tyranny, and, and only one politician, one member of parliament, truly gets this. You see, there are loads of people who think it, is, it isn't work, worth going on at the moment. They're giving up, eh? And it's about time some um, bloody secretaries of state understood that existing isn't living for many people. You see, that's true. You've been taught to exist now, you know. And congratulations to Sir Charles Walker, MP, for telling it like it is on BBC's Radio 4's World, World at One programme. I've rarely heard a politician so righteously angry on the program, nor yet one who has used a swear word. And it says, and Walker may be the last truly decent politician in Britain, the only one prepared to fully acknowledge the scale of the devastation and cruelties being inflicted on the British people by an increasingly dangerous and out-of-control government. Walker was responding particularly to Two egregious statements by government ministers. First, he objected to the one by Health Secretary Matt Hancock, this prune Matt Hancock, I'm telling you, exulting in the 10 year prison sentence which will henceforth be applied to anyone who's been on holiday to Portugal or any other country on the government's red list and lies about it. Secondly, objected to one by the equally noisome and low-grade transport secretary Grant Shapps, warning people not to book summer holidays even in Britain. And says Shapps told the BBC Radio 4 Today programme, on the shrinking chance there's anybody listening to this interview at this stage and thinking of booking a holiday under the current circumstances, please don't go ahead and book holidays for something which at this stage is illegal to actually go and do, whether it's here or abroad. Walker was properly incensed by this, as he told the BBC interviewer Sarah Montague. The goalposts have not so much been moved as ripped off and carried to another playing field. This is just not acceptable. This is becoming an extended exercise in almost studied and deliberate cruelty 
for a nation that is increasingly anxious and under pressure. People need to see their children, they need to see their parents, they need to see the people that they love, they need to have something to look forward to. We're conducting a massive experiment in creating high levels of anxiety. Montague pointed out that the opinion polls appear to show most people in favor of lockdowns, Walker replied. And I don't believe that at all. Polls are lies to try to convince you. And and humans are so awful. (laughs) It's true. Awfully deceptive that they use an awful lot of lies. And polls are definitely one of them, folks. Always have been. Otherwise, you would just have polls rather than voting. Just let the poll makers... So many folk would have voted for this party. So that's who's been electing. You see? But they don't because they know that they're liars. So Walker replied, I suspect most people are in favor of lockdown as long as it works for them and that when they do breach it, they breach it in a responsible way. So I'm a very responsible person, they'll say. It's those ruffians down the road that need lockdown. So don't read too much into opinion polls. Walker then moved on to the subject of vaccines, which he noted had once been touted by the government as the events that would set everyone free. We were told that when the vaccine came, uh, releases would happen. And it now seems that the government either knows something it's not willing to share with us about vaccines or is just really facing in multiple directions and is determined to muddy the water and sow confusion. Montague, in characteristic BBC style, tried to trip him up on a suggestion that governments might know something about vaccines that it wanted to keep a secret. Walker wasn't playing her game. For crying out loud, we were told, weren't we, that the vaccines were the root out of this. If we, we had summer holidays last year when we didn't have the vaccine. Again, Montague tried to trip him up by making it about him. She asked, have you, have you booked a summer holiday? Walker refused to engage with such frivolousness. He says, now we've got vaccines coming out of your ears, or our ears. We're told not to because some are hauled, they're crying out loud. It does strike me as odd, as if it doesn't strike you as odd. We're in a completely different space on this. So that's how it is, a massive experiment. And don't forget what they said at the SAGE group when they employed that other group of experts in psychology and behaviorism and persuasion uh, who gave the handout to the, to the press. Tell them to exaggerate the stories, to increase anxiety so the folk would comply. Huh? And Dr. Martin on experimental MNRA COVID vaccines. This is not a vaccine, it's a medical device. It says. This is another article for those who want to read them, you know. And folks should have their ability to have the, whatever, they're, whatever they're touting uh, read. You know, it's up to you what you want to think about them or any of them. That's called freedom. But it does go into some things that we do know definitely about mRNA vaccines. Same as that other doctor too. And I've got another doctor, again, another woman who's pretty good. And I'll put her link to her video up as well. Not just in my day one or my day one, but another one as well. The top virologist. There's no lack of people out there with uh, incredible information about all this. Top, top ranking world scientists come out against all of the, the propaganda that's going on right now. Just astonishing, really. And before I forget, too, and we've got lots to do yet, I'll again remind you, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Send a few bucks my way, go into the site, and you'll see how to send me a few dollars and help me tick along and keep going. Now, this article here is an international alert message uh, put out by uh, 
health professionals, to governments and citizens of the world. And it says to stop terror, madness, manipulation, dictatorship, lies, and the biggest health scam of the 21st century. And this was initially put out by, um, I think it was 1,500 doctors and medical staff and teams and so on across the world. Um, and you can read it for yourself. They go through the exact, they give examples of everything they're talking about, by the way. They're not just uh, giving opinions about things. And uh, it says, we say stop to all crazy and disproportionate measures that have been taken since the beginning of to fight SARS-CoV-2 lockdowns, blocking economy, education, social distancing, and so on and so on and so on. So it's not the first time that humanity faces a new virus. It experienced the H2N2 virus in 1957, H3N2 in 1968, SARS-CoV, that's coronavirus, the first one in 2003, H5N1 in 2004, H1N1 in 2009, H5N1 2004, H1N1 2009, MERS-CoV in 2012, and faces a seasonal flu virus every year. However, none of these measures taken for SARS-CoV-2 has been taken for these viruses, we're told. SARS-CoV-2 is very contagious. We answer, it's absolutely false. The claim is, moreover, rejected by internationally renowned experts. A simple comparison with other viruses show the contagiousness of SARS-CoV-2 is moderate. And it gives you a link to that too. It's diseases like measles that can be described as very contagious. For example, a person with measles can infect up to 20 people, while a person infected with this, this coronavirus only contaminates two or three. That is 10 times less than measles. But it is a new virus, and we answer H1N1, and the other viruses that we mentioned were also new viruses. Yet we did not put countries into lockdown, we didn't block the global economy, didn't paralyze the education system, and did not social distance, and didn't tell the healthy people to wear masks. In addition, some experts say it's possible this virus was already circulating before, but we didn't realize it. Says, but we don't have a vaccine, and we answer, at the start of H1N1, we also had no vaccine. And at the time of SARS-CoV, uh, he says, yet we, we did not put countries in a lockdown. We didn't block the global economy, didn't paralyze education system, didn't social distance, and we didn't tell the healthy people to wear masks. But this virus is much more deadly, they say, and we answer is absolutely false, because compared to the flu, for example, if we take into account the period between 1st November and 31st of March, there was, there was worldwide when those measures had been taken, 860,000 cases and 40,000 deaths. Uh, and it says, well, the flu in the same period of five months infects on average 420 million people and kills 270,000. <laughs> and it says, in addition, the case fatality rate announced by the WHO, 3 to 4% was greatly overestimated and was rejected from the beginning by the eminent experts in epidemiology. But even if we take this case for a fatality rate, we can see that this coronavirus is three times less lethal than that of 2003 uh, SARS virus, and 10 times less lethal than that of 2012 by 35%. And it goes through it, through it, and through it, and through it. It's, a, it's quite long, actually. Um, 61 pages, for those who want to care. Folk are fed up across the world that are working with, uh, in the hospital industry. And dentists and everything, a lot of dentists signed their names to this too, they're all part of it. They're seeing the effects even on the teeth, 
going downhill fast because I thought we were in masks, etc. And so on. But I'll put the link up for those who want to peruse it and, and see what other folk outside the, the general media are telling you about the folk working with it. <laughs> and people who have a better understanding of viruses and who are experts and so on. Also, Global Research has it too, uh, a more condensed form perhaps as well. And it says, um, United Health Professionals, the lockdown, and so on. And it gives you selected highlights of it, you know. It says, stay home and save lives was a pure lie. And remove the following illegal, non-scientific and non-sanitary measures. Lockdowns, mandatory face masks for healthy subjects, social distancing, um, of one or two meters. The lockdowns not only killed many people, but also they could get in the hospitals, remember, folks. You know? Thousands of folk died at home. But also destroyed physical and mental health, economy, education, and other aspects of life. Suicide rates are we up to? Natural history of the virus, coronavirus is not influenced by social measures, lockdowns and face masks and so on, or closing restaurants, it doesn't stop it. While the state knows best and violates human rights, we are on a dangerous course. Exclude your experts and advisors who have links or conflicts of interest with pharmaceutical companies. There's too many folk telling us what to do. They're called experts that literally are getting the money from the pharmaceutical companies. This is we are health professionals of the International Collective. United Health Professionals comprised of more than 1,500 members, including professors of medicine, intensive care physicians and infectious disease specialists from different countries of Europe, Africa, America, Asia, and Oceania, and so on. In August 2020, we addressed uh, to governments and citizens of countries around the world an alert message regarding the COVID outbreak. And this, then they go through it, through the reports, and... Um, and they give you examples of how they managed the H1N1 epidemics before. They give you examples of the terror they've, they've tried to get you to vaccinate before and they shut things down. On the time about 2010, right, so the Parliamentary Assembly is, is alarmed about the way in which the H1N1 influenza pandemic has been handled, not only by the World Health Organization, but also by the competent health authorities at the level of the European Union and at national level is particularly troubled by some of the consequences of decisions taken on a, and advice given leading, uh, given leading to distortion of priorities of public health service across Europe, waste of large sums of public money, and also unjustified scares and fears about health risks. Grave shortcomings have been identified regarding the transparency of decision-making processes relating to the pandemic, which have generated concerns about the possible influence of the pharmaceutical industry on some of the major decisions. Unregulated or secret lobbying may be a danger and can undermine democratic principles and good governance. So they go through examples over the few years building up to this present coronavirus and the scams that were pulled by governments and big pharma groups, and the same names you're hearing about today, by the way, try to shut you all down. And it didn't work before. Hmm? And then they go into lifting all restrictions to do with the present one, right? This is the infection fatality rate 
seems to be about the same as for influenza. But we've never introduced these drastic measures before when we had influenza pandemics. And we cannot live with them for years to come. And they give you the names of professors who write different articles on this. Eh? And then the decision for lockdown and the decision of, of, of wearing masks are not based on scientific data. There's no scientific evidence to support the disastrous two-meter rule. And it's true, it was dreamed, I mentioned before, it was dreamed up by a guy who works for the military-industrial complex in the States who wanted his daughter to get into university by giving her... A, a, she was given a task at high school, you know. And uh, you've got something, something pretty unique to get into Harvard and so on. So, so the, professor, the guy himself, the dad, created a program for her. And that's what they used to, to figure, this computer model, right? They came up, they spat out the idea of two-meter rule. It's based on nothing. No, it's not based on, on physical and real testing facts of any, of any kind at all. So anyway, um, and I put those links up months ago, you know, for that. Anyway, back to this article here, and they go up to what the demand, open up the economy, schools, universities, air transport, and hospital units. Mm-hmm. Exclude your experts and advisors who've linked their conflicts of interest with the pharma companies. So stay home, save lives was a pure lie. On the contrary, the lockdowns not only killed many people, but also destroyed physical and mental health. So I'll put this link up too for those who want to go through it. As I say, it's quite a long article. And you can read it for yourselves, eh? Now I'm going to read this article here for you to see how you react to it, right? Patients dying in corridors as winter pressures overwhelm the National Health Service. This is only three out of one in three hospital trusts in England, which figures are available managed to meet the government's uh, A&E target of 95% of patients treated within four hours, according to December stats from NHS England. Overall, 85% of patients across the country were treated within a four-hour deadline, according to the figures. Hospitals in Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, also struggling, doctors warned in a letter to the Prime Minister and published by Health Service Journal that conditions on wards are intolerable. Patients wait for 12 hours, hundreds managed in the corridors, sometimes dying prematurely, according to the letter. Sounds horrible, isn't it? Uh, This was 2018. You see how it's blown way up as well, though? Now, I mean, the fact that we're cutting back and cutting back the NHS for something because they've been privatizing it, public private partnerships, for years and years. I put up a documentary link to you a few, a few weeks ago, maybe months ago. I can't remember now. Uh, we're nurses and nursing sisters who worked in the hospital, nursing officers. Where I actually admitted they were getting paid money by the private companies that partly owned the hospitals now to get the patients out as fast as possible. And they would do it without even treating them half the time, regardless of the consequences. And they, they hear them talking about admitting it. The, the, the NHS is racked with problems, has been for years. The National Health Service, by the way, remember I did the articles on the air at the time, years ago when Tony Blair was in, that they were cutting back the admissions to the hospitals in Britain because they've been cutting back and cutting back so much staff and hospital beds and everything under the different privatisation acts, public-private partnerships, that they actually would do questionnaires, send questionnaires out to people who were waiting for cancer treatments or prostate treatments for cancer and things like that. 
at, and the distal, this casual questionnaires, and folk would dutifully fill them in and, and send it back to them. And then the hospitals would send for them to come in for their operations or whatever, uh, when the people, when they knew the folk were on holiday. What a racket that was. That was in the newspapers, by the way, at the time. The deceit is overwhelming, overwhelming, folks. Another one, too, is the, the shaky signs behind the deadly, so-called deadly quotation marks, new strains of SARS-CoV-2. Right? Don't forget, too, that the, the, these strains, mutations, doesn't mean they're more lethal. Generally, a lot of these different strains, the things that are pretty dangerous to start with, become less dangerous as time goes on, as they mutate, 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 you know. But again, it doesn't fit the bill to tell you that, does it? When you're supposed to be terrified in order to get the jab. But this article explains the so-called new strains, eh? And talk about really scientific shorthand, such as N501Y, scientific shorthand for the substitution of one protein building block, amino acid, from another a position of 501 in the part of the virus called the spike protein. It says, note, 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 such, note that any such amino acid switcheroo is correctly called a change, not a mutation. Mutations are currently only in the genes. For some reasons, many scientists and scribes who ought to know better are mistakenly calling N501Y and other amino acid changes mutations. See? So it's not really as dangerous as they're making out. But again, they're using every possible scam they can to get their agenda done, aren't they? They really are. It's just astonishing, really. Yeah. Quite, quite something. It really is quite something when you really think about it. This article really, uh, to me, is interesting because this is from the CDC. Eh? They go into who should get tested. Eh? This is test for current infection. Current infection, right? Is a viral test. They call it viral. So the, the, the test for viral test is a swab test, you see, a nasal swab. And it says, who should get tested? People who have symptoms of COVID-19. Well, they've, cut, they've made sure it's always in the winter when it really happens, the big, the big problems. Eh? When you've got common colds, which is a coronavirus, and you've got all kinds of flus, and uh, but all kinds of, even pneumonia viruses are out galore, stacks of them, every winter. So if you've got runny nose, you, you, well, that could be a symptom. If you have no runny nose, that could be, be a symptom. If you feel well, that could be a symptom. If you've got symptoms, that could be a symptom. You understand, I've covered the whole gambit here, you know. And most of the, the cases, the kind of cases, are folk who have no symptoms at all. Just swab tests. <laughs> who pick up all kinds of pieces of, of viruses. So it says viral tests are, are used to look for current infection. And again, it says that you can be getting through your nose or your mouth saliva. You find out if you're currently infected with SARS-CoV-2 the virus that causes COVID-19, right? And two types of the test can be used at the nucleic acid amplification tests, right? Detect the virus's genetic material and are commonly used in laboratories. They're generally more accurate, but sometimes take longer to process than other types. Then there's the antigen test, detect the viral proteins, and are generally not as sensitive, and in particular if the antigen test is used on someone without COVID-19 symptoms. If you have a positive or negative antigen test, your healthcare provider may need to confirm the test results with, an, with the other test. <laughs> Even so iffy. 
And don't forget, too, that uh, they're, they're pretty well excluding all, all clinical symptoms. They are the biggest part of, of diagnosis. Especially when you're, teaching, when you're using these particular types of particle tests, just particles of viruses, then amplifying them to try to find out if there's a possibility they might actually have the virus. It doesn't mean that they have it or not. You can't really tell. So th- this is interesting because then you've got um, this one eh, from the CDC as well. Testing for past infection. Okay. So antibody or a serology test look for antibodies in your blood to determine if you have a past infection with the virus that causes COVID-19. And so antibodies are proteins created in your body's immune system soon after you have been infected or vaccinated. And they fight off infections and can protect you from getting that disease again. Although they don't want you to have your natural ones. <laughs> they want you to have a vaccine regardless. Antibody tests should not be used to diagnose a current infection, okay, with the virus that causes COVID-19, except in circumstances which where viral testing is delayed. An antibody test may not show if you have a current infection because it can take one to three weeks after the infection for your body to make the antibodies, okay? Since whether you test positive or negative for COVID-19 on a viral or an antibody test, you should still take t- steps to protect yourself and others. That's your quarantine and all the rest of it, right? Where do you test positive or negative <laughs> with a viral test? Right? We don't know how much pro- protection immunity antibodies to the virus might provide against getting infected again, right? Confirmed and suspected cases of reinfection have been reported but remain rare. They don't know yet. And don't forget, with, with the, remember the one with the sailors that were locked down with the aircraft carrier last year? And different batches of them were getting taken off and in quarantine in hospitals. And they were allowing them out back to the ship when they tested negative, using again these viral swab tests. And in one of the articles it stated that five of them were released in the morning after getting a swab test, saying that they were now free of it. Negative, and then they were retested when they got on board ship, and all five were positive. <laughs> like, like an hour later, <laughs> they're so, so these tests are ridiculous and useless. Really, that's why they picked it. So, where you test positive or negative for COVID nineteen on a viral or an antibody test, you should still take the test to protect yourself and others in quarantine. Not rest of it. What do your results mean? It says if you test positive, it says for an antibody test. You may have antibodies from an infection with the virus that causes COVID. However, there's a chance that a positive result means you have antibodies from an infection with a different virus. Okay? You're hearing this. This is the CDC. If you have a blood test, right, and it comes up positive for antibodies, so that means you're, you're, you're immune to it. Right? However, there's a chance that a positive means that you have antibodies from an infection with a different virus from the same family of viruses called coronavirus. I, mean, I told you there's many different strains of coronaviruses. They've always have been. Have been. So it's not other coronaviruses cannot produce a positive result on a viral test. That's a swab test, right? For SARS-CoV-2. 
and the antibodies to the virus that causes COVID-19 may provide protection from getting infected with the virus again. But even if it does, we don't know how much protection antibodies may provide or how long this protection may last. So talk with your healthcare provider about your test result and type of test you took to understand what your results mean. If you read these articles, they mean nothing. <laughs> you can take your pick where you want them to mean. Eh? But if you get your own antibodies, you're immune to it. That's the bottom line, folks. It says you may test positive for antibodies even if you have never had symptoms. Yeah, that's the most of This can happen if you've had an infection without the symptoms, which is called asymptomatic infection. See, everybody who gets, they call them cases, gets over it by producing their own antibodies up till now. You understand that? All those thousands and millions of all cases across the world you know, got better. And the only way they can get better is by producing antibodies. Or they got, they got sick and sicker. So there you go. Then you have um, a CA woman, 78, gets COVID-19 vaccine, then suddenly dies of something else. That's, that's what happens, you suddenly die of something else. Eh? And uh, I'll put this one up too. It says she died of her getting the, the vaccine. Her death doesn't appear to be linked to the shot, the health officials say Saturday. Of course not, of course not. Those vaccine adverse reactions are just there for show, obviously, because no one dies of adverse reactions because of the shot. Mm. She lost consciousness as she was being treated by medical personnel. And um, she began complaining about discomfort after receiving the shot of the Pfizer vaccine around noon Friday. And she lost consciousness as she was being treated by medical personnel. Then the, the, the paramedics began performing CPR on her, but she couldn't be revived. So they were just very quickly. Yeah. I've noticed a common theme in a lot of this too, by the way. And I really, th- I, this is just a speculation. Yeah? But with so much writing, and, and the, the amount of behaviorists and psychologists working for government teams here, Across every country, and on behalf of Big Pharma too, they've employed lots of them too to work with the media. I've seen articles where relatives of folk who died after the shot come out and tell you that they should get the shot anyway. And I'm sure I just speculate they're getting paid to say that. I really mean that. You can't put anything past multi-billion-dollar industries. You can't. You can't put anything past them. Because they would, I know they would. And this is and this is a, a formula I've noticed with a lot of them. So it says here, despite the tragedy, her husband of fifty-seven years, who also received COVID nineteen shots, he still plans to get in the second shot in a few weeks. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends that if a person has severe allergic reaction, they call it an allergic reaction. It, it, it's total shock of a foreign substance getting put into your body. Total shock. A substance your body has never seen before. So if you, if you get, if you get a, an allergic reaction after the first dose, the vaccine, so the CDC, they shouldn't get the second dose. Try and remember that. Like one of the previous articles I mentioned too, where it says if you have developed your own antibodies, getting the, the vaccine... It might have a, a, a contrary effect on you, a bad effect on you. 
Remember, that's what it said in the article from another professional site. Now, this one, too, smacks of what I was talking about earlier. I even joked about this months ago. I said, I wonder, what are you going to do, start putting yellow stars on you, like you did in Germany, you know, in other countries, too? At one time, security guards at an English supermarket called the police on a, on a disabled man who refused to wear a yellow sticker, exempting him from wearing a mask. Hmm. And it says, uh, since Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced the first police-enforced lockdowns March 23rd, 2020, Britons have been subjected to overzealous policing of their activities and suppression of their freedoms. After British supermarkets made mask-wearing mandatory, security guards have taken to demanding shoppers cover their face before entering or be banned. Those with disabilities, young children or others with exemptions don't have to wear one, but some supermarkets offer lanyards or badges to designate that the, 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 those they can deem can enter the stores with their faces uncovered. The Sun, the newspaper, The Sun reported on Wednesday the case of man, of a man who said he was disabled, being threatened with police action unless he wore a yellow exemption badge to reassure other shoppers. See how they, how they can target you and get the rest of the people to turn against you using the guilt and shaming thing. This is all, this is all planned before you heard of COVID because they, they, they talked about these exercises using these techniques and the, when they're doing the tabletop exercises for Event 201 and, and the, the lockstep for 2010 and so on. You're living through an agenda here and getting folk to turn against other people. It's all part of it. That's your tax money at work, eh? So footage shares on social media showed him being confronted by two security guards, one appearing to call the police, while the shopper helpfully offered she call the emergency number 111 rather than 999, whose operators said they would not be happy to be bothered with a non-emergency call. I should laugh at the 999, because that's what they use in Britain, eh, for emergency calls. And an old phone, you see, when you, when you dialed it, it turned 666 with it on the dial. That <laughs> wasn't a coincidence, for sure. You know. So there you go. It's interesting, too, that emergency number, the non-emergency number for them is 111. Everyone's 999, so you've got 9911, if you want to play the games with numbers and so on. Eh? And you've got a three there, three ones. And so I'm not conforming to no sticker laws. Sorry, the shopper said, noting that the requirement to wear such a mask was not law, calling the company policy totalitarian. And, and wearing the mark too, this yellow badge, eh, isn't law either. So, so even the police, it says, you keep, the previous ones, they threatened to get the police on the guy and all the rest of it. But you read the article for yourself. This is happening all over the place now. Eh? It's a stigmatized folk. They stigmatize people. Remember the poor souls that got, got arrested by the cops in, in Canada, it was in New Brunswick, was it, or Montreal, I can't remember, New Brunswick, I think, who were terrified to get out of their homes, but they had to go to the pharmacy. And they couldn't wear masks because of conditions. And then the police got called by the manager of the pharmacy. I said to these people, should just blockade these pharmacies. Anybody who gets the folk almost, when cops get pulled out, it's like pulling out the military these days. They're ready to jump on anybody and damage, maybe even kill folk. 
So you you got to start just blacklisting different places that, that that cause the problems, folks. You have that right, you know, to put out little pamphlets of what's happened, and and then two old chiefs pensioners getting arrested, and the woman herself couldn't wear a mask. She was trying to get medication to do with the condition that she that she couldn't wear a mask, but it didn't matter. Eh? And again, the media has to take its fall too with all of this, for for purposely terrorising the public. This article here was uh, from from last year, again, October 2020. Where everything's fallen into place, see? The Dutch government has announced it will go ahead with plans to decriminalize euthanasia for children under the age of 12 now. You're starting to get the big picture here, folks. They euthanized people in, in Germany. They according, they didn't want to, they, they didn't, you know, they, they couldn't even get permission to, for, for, for getting the jab. And they died. The lawyer is going to charge them for murder, you know, put forward the charge for murder. Life has become, you're getting trained that life is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until it's your turn. I hope you're understanding this. So the scheme will allow doctors to euthanize children. You can't look at doctors the same way ever again, by the way. I mean, the whole profession now, you can't do it. You would need a movement within the profession for a bulk of doctors to go against euthanasia to get any credibility back. So it's to help end, you know, undes- unbearable and hopeless suffering. Everything's to help you, right? We've never seen such evil in, in history with the excuse to do everything they're doing is to help you. So Holland, again, was one of the first ones to legalize euthanasia 2002 for adults. And then, like I said at the time too, in talks I gave by then, they'll expand it and expand it, and they certainly have, eh? Now they've joined, in Canada joined them, doing the same thing, they're scared to go to the hospital now if you're over a certain age in Canada. And this article goes into to the, the few countries that they're already, like Canada and Holland, are giving out euthanasia. And how it just gets worse and worse all the time. They expand it and expand it and start killing folk that, that they're perfectly healthy, but they might be even depressed. But it says here that this is a slippery slope. Earlier this year, the Dutch euthanasia doctor Bers Kaiser uh, admitted that those who embark on euthanasia venture down a slippery slope along which you irrevocably slide down to the random killing of defenseless sick people. That's exactly what happens, folks. He added, in retrospect, it's true that we now provide euthanasia to people to whom we have said a little indignantly 20 years ago, come on, that is really impossible. And looking ahead, there's no reason to believe that this process will stop. They give you the cautionary tale. That former euthanasia advocate and Dutch professor Theo Bohr should start warning to UK MPs and peers last month about the dangers of legalising assisted suicide. This is a guy from Eastie Advocate, right? And that advocate published shortly after his speech, he said the Netherlands should act as a cautionary tale to those in power in the UK. Like many of the current supporters of assisted dying, I used to believe that it was possible to regulate and restrict killing to terminally Ill and mentally incompetent adults with less than six months to live. However, he said, I was wrong, because they expanded, and then they start deciding who should die anyway. You understand? That's how it's done. 
Bill Gates wants to change every aspect of our economy while we dine on fake meat. Eh? He's pushing drastic and fundamental changes. This is the whole agenda here, folks, under, under COVID. Eh? Bio-genicist, Mr. Bill Gates. A, a supremacist. He's definitely a supremacist. Eh? No doubt about it. He belongs to the club, the big club of billionaires. Eh? They have the right to do what they want with all of you. The gods, eh? the gods that call themselves. Anyway, again, it says here too, just like that stuff from years ago, the video I talked about there, he's still saying the same thing, to reduce carbon dioxide and go to zero in order to save the planet from long prognosticated and consistently wrong environmental disaster. Make everything electric and so on and so on. Yada, yada, yada. This is a massive, these are monsters. I cannot stand this. I really do. Personally, I can't stand Bill Gates. I can generally watch all kinds of characters, but this, woof, wow. Or, or the Klaus Schwab either. And this other article here is to do with um, billions of pounds in the red and UK budgets to have a greenish hue, it says. About reopening and so on, eh? So, so this says Sunak will move forward to, with plans to launch Britain's first green government bonds designed to finance environmentally friendly investments. Tyrus and Bill Gates, is it, is it coming together for you all? Is it really? Yeah? This is, might also nudge the Bank of England to focus more on climate change. There you go. But any progress in carbon taxes, which they're pushing again, endorsed by the International Monetary Fund, there you go, is like to be slow as soon as it grapples with how best to close a £400 billion budget deficit, the largest since World War II. So Britain is hosting a major United Nations environmental summit, COP26, this is in November, it's from Business News and... David Milliken, it says, wrote it, the article here, for the business use, and, from, and Reuters published it too. COP26 in November, and Suet told the finance ministers last week that he wanted action on climate change to be a major theme of Britain's chairmanship of the G7. Philip Dunn, the Conservative Chair for the British Parliament Environment Audits Committee, said Sunak should use the budget to make progress on a government promise to reduce net carbon emissions to zero by 2050. That's no, no, you know, combustive, internal combustion engine cars anymore, you see, etc. They have to be phased out in nine years now, you understand that? So they're going to tax and tax and tax everybody into utter poverty to achieve their, their zero carbon goals, etc. And then they won't, and don't forget what they said too, they weren't going to allow anybody to reopen any business in the future, regardless of what you do or comply with. If they, they deem that you're not green enough. Yeah. New Zealand voted to legalise euthanasia and assisted suicide following public referendum. That's another one too that ties in with the cheapening of life. That was from November, last November there. I'm not surprised by any of it. I knew all this was coming, you see, years ago. Remember what, what, what Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, that was in charge of the, the, the kind of world socialist group at the time, and who worked for UNESCO, United Nations, and, and promoted uh, euthanasia and family planning, by the way. Which he meant by that, he meant really abortion, and really he wanted to, to sterilize people. And a complete, again, elitist as well. 
but uh, but Julian Julian Huxley learned a lot of the bag in his speeches at the United, at the UNESCO. In fact, about the different groups and categories of types of humans, even the ones who helped them, and that they wouldn't come into the next system just because they'd helped them. It's a different way of grading you. You see who's going to live in. Just like George Bernard Shaw, it's it's almost an esoteric speech they're putting out there that. The, the, the guys in the inning group know what it means, eh? How are you going to be graded for coming through into the next kind of system? Quite fascinating, really, in a sense. But um, it's all out in front of you today. Um, and Julian Huxley, in his, one of his main speeches, I've mentioned it before, he talks about how, how he had and used, and the UN must must push uh, this um, this idea to get, get to get humans off to train humans that life is cheap basically is what he's saying. Julian Huxley said we've got to knock them off the pedestal, the stool. Uh, they believe that they're higher than other forms of life. Knock them down from this this belief that they're superior, a superior being on the planet, to make them feel inferior. Only only then obviously can you do things with them when you've trained them that they're inferior. And they really are worthless. You understand? That's what that's what you meant by it. I'm paraphrasing some of it. But that's what you meant. They couldn't do all they wanted to do as long as folk thought thought they really had rights and that there were that there was a god that that that, uh, that appreciated life itself. You to be trained. No, they, no. There's no god. There's nothing. You're just a piece of protoplasmic scum. And you'll do what we want. We'll do with you as we want. You see. That's really what they wanted. And they still want that. But they always go, we're here to help you. We're here to help you. Or we're going to take all your rights away to help you. Then you see the same agenda, the same old, old agenda being pushed upon you. It is the same agenda. And this article here ties in with the challenge test I mentioned earlier. That this is the first time that they've come out with the different vaccinations, or what they call vaccinations, anyway, this time. Even though it's a vastly different kind altogether. And, in fact, it's unique in giving this to people. But anyway, they, they didn't do the challenge test. And I, I read the articles from Fauci and other ones before who said they decided not to give it to the young people in case they got ill. Well, the whole point of giving them a challenge test in, in a controlled group of volunteers is to protect the general society, so you do it in the control. So after you've given the vaccine, after a couple of weeks, you give them, expose them to the virus. That's called the challenge test. And if they pass that, then they can say, well, okay, um, it worked well. It, it, the person didn't get ill with the virus that we exposed them to, so the antibodies worked fine, etc., etc. And that's generally how you... you but, but that's normal virus, vaccines, right? This time they never did it. With, with an experimental vaccine that they know nothing about how it's going to affect the public. And according to, as I say, their own own study groups in the government that, who put out the tenders for applications of artificial intelligence uh, organizations to use AI to try and monitor the, the people who get the jabs to see what happens to them. We need to haven't completed the test yet, right? But here's an article here, right? This is after, I remember the one about why do all this stuff after the horse is bolted? Well, the world's first COVID-19 human challenged study has been given the go-ahead. They haven't done it yet. 
after giving millions of vaccines out. It's going to be, so they're hoping to begin it next month with young people intentionally infected with the virus to learn more about how it works. How can the papers tell you it's all safe when everything's to do to find out what happens, right? They don't know yet. So here again, here they're fudging it again. Up to 90 people, 90 folk, right? Up to, right? 18 and to 30 years of age. And the most folk who get ill are way over that. Why are they picking 18 to 30? That's where they can get good results, obviously. Because the last thing they want are folk having bad reactions and dying all with it. So they get young, healthy folk. So they'll be exposed to COVID-19 in a safe and controlled environment, meaning a hospital. But the research set uh, to play a key role in developing effective new vaccines and treatments. Mm-hmm. So volunteers will compensate for the time they spend in the study, with the researchers encouraging those 18 to 30 to come forward. Now here again, the, the folk getting rich up. This is, so here's 99 folk, up to 90 people, right? It's going to cost £33.6 million of taxpayers' money again. Eh? And the trial has now passed, guess who, the key ethics committee stage, meaning it can begin immediately. So again, these high priests of ethicists have the final say in everything, see? So it can begin immediately when, when they decide when you do it. However, the study will not begin without the go-ahead from the local National Health Service to ensure the study will not impact on the NHS's ability to care for patients during the pandemic. Don't worry about it. They might be dancing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a new meaning of, of A&E. Yeah, it's arts and entertainment. You know? It's truly Monty Python, isn't it? And another one, too, it says, a Telangana man dies after a jab, officials say. And... Uh, but it, it, the official says it seems unrelated to the vaccine. Well, it's always that way. 42-year-old healthcare worker in Nirmal district of Telangana who received the COVID-19 died this morning after complaining of chest pain. That's pretty common. With the with preliminary findings suggesting the death is unrelated to the vaccine. Again, what findings? <laughs> so he's vaccinated about 11.30 a.m. Tuesday at Primary Health Centre in the district and sent to have developed chest pain at around 2.30 today. He was brought in dead to the district hospital at 5.30 a.m. The state director of public health, um, G. Sinavaso Rao, said in a press release. Primary findings suggest the death seems unrelated to vaccination, it said. That's in-depth there. It's good enough for me. It's happening all the time, is that stuff in these cases, eh? But perfectly safe. You're part of the study now. You've got to try it for a couple of years, but you're perfectly, perfectly safe, says the media. Also, here's the thing too. You understand? I mentioned too these 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 coronaviruses aren't really licensed. This is coronavirus vaccine emergency powers to allow the use of unlicensed COVID-19 vaccination in the UK. Ministers as politicians could invoke very unusual measures to speed up vaccine rollouts to, sa- to save tens of thousands of lives. Just put away all the safety and everything else and don't license them and just put them out. <laughs> That's what's been happening. So the politicians are planning to invoke emergency powers to vaccinate the public against the COVID-19, even if it's unlicensed, as I can reveal. The vaccine becomes available before the end of Brexit transition period on 31st December, that's just passed, 
and has not been approved by the EU Medicines Watchdog, the UK will use its own emergency regulations to sidestep EU law to allow the jab to be deployed due to the serious threat the virus poses to human life. So let's give an experimental vaccine. It's not licensed for humans. So I'll put this article up too. Uh, Ex-Australian Facebook CEO urges the users to delete the app over news ban, right? It says he's sorry for blocking emergency pages and sweeping news ban, uh, and he's speaking out against it. So he's asked them to delete rid of their apps in response to Mark Zuckerberg's sad decision to block news from the platform in the country. And Stephen uh, Sheeler, ex-boss of Facebook Australia New Zealand, said in an interview that Facebook's controversial move looks and feels ugly and blasted the CEO Zuckerberg for his motivations. It shouldn't have happened, but it did, he says. And there's no good answers, but at Facebook, nobody ever loses their jobs. He said he was a proud ex-Facebooker, but over the years, I get more and more exasperated for Facebook, and Mark is too much about the money and the power, and not about the good it's more than just that. These are front people, you know, Zuckerberg and so on. Same as Bill Gates, actually. And all these characters that meet at the Lucky Gene Club and so on. How can you go into countries and do what you want to do with them, politically and socially and so on, and get away with it unless it's a super deep state, a world deep state there? Somebody would do something about it. I'm not talking about the, the, what you think is legal means. They'd do something about it. If you tried to do something, if you were a newcomer and you went in to interfere in nations and so on, you'd have the CIA hit guys just do a wet job on you and that's you gone. Very quickly, too. A vastly different system runs this world. Vastly different. So I'll put this link up, too, to this one. And then you have... Oh, oh, the one by Tony. I put the Tony. I hate putting Tony Blair's website up. Basically, he's one one, you know, as he decides what, how you should be running your lives, and they'll they'll do it for you, mind you, and so on. And and he's in bed with all the biggies. Oh, oh I'm talking the big corporations. This guy went into the quartet. Remember, after he left politics, raked in millions and millions of bucks from the big corporations and so on. Mm-mm-mm. Doing this semi-official job for for corporations and the government at the same time. Mm, yep. So he's pushing the same old stuff and the tracking and all the rest of it, etc., etc., etc. Big bucks for Tony, no doubt about it. The one man banned for war, eh? The man who helped wreck Europe from the fallout of mass migration because of the wars that he was all for. Mm-mm-mm. And here too, Google and Oracle to monitor Americans who get warp speeds COVID vaccine for up to two years. Okay, there you go. I'll put that up too for those who still didn't get it already. You're living through an amazing agenda, folks. And I tell people, people who listen to me generally can handle the news. You can't handle anything if you if you put your head in the sand. But there are people, thank goodness, that, that want to know. And who don't sit and, and chew their fingers every day when they find out what's going on. It fortifies you and gives, makes you stronger. 
That's what it does. It makes you stronger, folks. You, you, and I tell you, it makes you grow up big time when you understand how evil the world really is. And it isn't just become evil. You've been living in a fantasy your whole life anyway and kept immature and silly. And, and the, the, the entertainment they gave you was for children, really. And in and, and the entertainment, too, was regardless, was lots of propaganda and indoctrinations. These are your updates, just like computer updates for spyware. You get updates for the culture, what you're supposed to say, not say, think, not think, yada, yada, yada. Hmm? So really, you, you've been living a bit of a fantasy your whole life long. And it's been cruel all along. You, your countries have been at wars. There's always wars on the go all the time across the planet. And special force groups were designated years ago to be used. More so than just all-out warfare programs. They would use them across the world. And they have been using them consistently for the last 30-odd, maybe 40 years. And so the things you, you hear about or even see in movie versions and drama really happen, and the murders happen, slaughters happen, and then you, you even had Obama, for goodness sake, in main newspapers and magazines saying he was happy going in in the morning to work, and he personally would pick the targets for drone strikes. Maybe read in the papers that were blowing up Muslims having weddings or even funerals and so on. Oops, oops, there's lots of oops, so it wasn't him after all, it wasn't this one after all. It didn't matter. Do you understand how frivolous it was and all the characters involved in blowing other people up? And you're told it's just oops, oops, oops. These are the same characters that are still really in power behind the scenes today. And do you think you see you any better or differently? Do you really think so? than those disposable Muslims that they had designated for extermination in their own countries. You better start waking up even better, even at a higher level than, you, than you've woken up to right now. The greatest evil on the planet right now generally wear suits and ties as the uniform. Or you get the more PR-created relaxed type like Bill Gates with his sweaters on, you know. But regardless, they're all the same uniforms to me. I hope you understand what you're, what you're witnessing, what you're living through right now. And there's a much bigger agenda going on, much, much bigger than COVID-19. Much, much bigger. When the same agenda is sustainability, when the same agenda is, is global warming that turned into climate change, which is also sustainability, has been prattled out now for sustainability under COVID. It's the same agenda. And it's rocket launched under COVID, you see, much faster. Anyway, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, send me a few bucks, folks, please. And you'll see how to do it if you go into the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And don't give up. Because, you know, you're still, you're, this is part of being alive, is putting up with evil in your lifetime. And every generation's had this bout of it. And folk were set off to slaughters in World War I. Uh, Twenty years passed for a new crop of, of folk to get slaughtered were sent off for World War II. That's why they always wait about 20 years or so. 
And at the end of World War II, before it was over, you had Americans and, other, and Australians too, and some British special forces over in Vietnam, and are, you know, <laughs> uh, for a while. And then you, you get in different countries as well. And uh, it goes on and on and on. You don't realize you're always at war with somebody, you know, for purposes that you'd never fathom, even if you're told about them. You'll really never get the truth out of them. The CIA is these amazing things across the world. For, for a, a global controlled society, including at home, it doesn't work for American citizens. Not the people, anyway. You're living through an incredible evil. You're, you're witness. You're seeing some of the, the people coming forward. That was said that two years ago, with the so-called hidden masses, would one day come forward when they felt it was safe to declare themselves to the people, to guide the people into a new system and through a new system. But Vatsky prattled on about that too, with her theosophy and so on. And so did the big movement. And don't forget too, the revolutionary movement from the 1700s, 1800s into the 20th century. The revolutionary movement was steeped in occultism. Steeped in it, absolutely. The Tennysons of the world and so on. Uh, we're all in, heavily involved in the occult and revolution. I could go on about that too and give you talks about some of the characters and what happened and so on, but not tonight, folks. So anyway, that's me, I guess. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com, send me a few bucks, because I really do need it. And I'll continue to put out information uh, to, as we go through it all together. And don't forget, you can send me emails too to let me know how things are going. And even to the folk I can't get back to right away because I get overwhelmed at times, I read them all, you know. And it's, it's fantastic to get real history in the making from people who are living through it too. We are history, understand. Not the, not the eventual books they'll churn out with a different version of it. The authorized version. You are the authorized version. You're living it through it. And with your experiences of it all. So take care of yourselves and stay in touch. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, is good night. May your God or your gods go with you. Mm